Hey, I'm Steve. And I'm Blake. And you're listening to Action, the movie podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 24 of Action, the movie podcast. For those who are just joining us for the first time, this is a uh, a deep dive movie podcast where me and Steve take turns surprising one another with movies and we do not discuss the movie. Phone, text, doesn't matter until we record. That way our opinions don't influence the other's opinion. And this is the first time that we're speaking about the movie. You guys are hearing it the first time we're talking about it. This week was my pick, and I picked the 2015 action extravaganza Hardcore Henry. And what kind of what drew me to this movie is it's a impeccable idea. It's a basically it's a, it's an action movie in the first person point of view. It's just pretty crazy we had originally uh saw this in theaters and that was like a couple years ago now about seven years ago and uh, i i really enjoyed it then and i was kind of i wanted to maybe surprise steve i wasn't sure if steve if this fell in steve's category because it seems kind of like video gaming and i'm not sure if steve's into video games all too much and i just wanted to have a just a bonkers action movie, especially after the last couple of serious things we've done. And that's, uh, that's kind of it. Uh, what, uh, what drew you to the movie, Steve? Because you told me to, you told me to watch it, Blake. All right. So before we get into this, I'm going to go ahead and do a spoiler warning right now. Uh, if you have not watched the film, please go ahead and pause this. Go watch the movie, come back to us, and we'll be right here waiting. Um, like I said earlier, uh, Hardcore Henry originally technically came out at the, um, what do you call it? The uh, Toronto Film Festival, uh, April 18th, 2015. And uh, September 12th, 2015. And then it came out in like theaters in the US uh, April 10th or April 18th in 2016. It is a Russian and English film. A majority of the movie was filmed in Russia with a probably 2% of the movie filmed in LA as like backup footage. So for kind of a, a quick little like synopsis of the movie, we wake up, we have Henry, our character who is named Henry. He's a non-verbal character, which we find out pretty early on as to why he's non-verbal. Uh, he gets woke up by his uh, wife and she's explaining to him that she kind of had to piece him back together. And as she's like putting him back together, uh, the laboratory that they're in is becomes under assault by our villain, uh, Akan, who is desperate to try and find Henry because he, he knows that Henry's kind of cybonic and wants to use Henry and others like Henry as well as his wife's research to make like an army of cyborgs. He then kidnaps Henry's wife and where Henry is befriended by a gentleman named Jimmy 
and they go on a uh, pretty gnarly adventure to try and rescue his wife, Estelle. Henry's wife, Estelle. Did I miss anything, Steve? Yeah, I mean, like we always say, there's obviously a ton of stuff in the middle, but that is pretty much their... They're on a mission to save Estelle. Yeah, it's it, after watching the movie, it's weird to think back to that's how it kind of originates. But yeah, that's that's their mission is to to pretty much uh, they get separated, like you said, and and uh, Jimmy helps Henry, and they yeah, I mean it it's uh I guess uh, again a lot lots of stuff happens in the middle, and there's a kind of a big twist at the end, I guess. But but yeah, that's uh, I guess the general synopsis. You want to go ahead and uh, dive into writer director? Yeah. Um, so Ilya Neyshuler is how you say his name, right? Neyshuler? Yeah. Ilya Neyshuler. <clears throat> Born in Moscow. He lived in London. So uh, I've watched a bunch of interviews with him and he speaks, you know, he almost sounds completely American to me every time I hear him he talk. Speak, he speaks in, like, incredible English with hardly mm-hmm. any accent. Yep. He lived in London from 7 to 14. Then he studied in New York Tisch School of the Arts. Um, he was in a band called Biting Elbows, a Russian punk band. And again, like all these Russian things with him, but then whenever you watch him talk, he's like completely English, but uh, I mean, like American, it sounds like, but um, but yeah, he was in this band called Biting Elbows. He and, still is, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Uh, the one of their songs is in the, the very end credits, but he did a video for them and it got a bunch of views. Uh, the video, I guess, what it was called, Saint Saint Pete, is that what it was? No, the the uh, the the music video that got the fame was called Bad Motherfucker. Well, no, the the Bad Motherfucker was like the commercial for that vodka. No, that's that's did... their, that's the that's the music video that had the uh, first person. Well, there's I watch. Did you watch that video? I didn't. It's well the. The bad motherfucker, from what I can see, was I again. I, I thought that because of the video I watched on, I still have it up on YouTube. And it's called Bad Motherfucker, but that was like the vodka, and like all throughout it, he gets bit by a dog, and he uses the vodka to like douse the wound, to like clean the wound. That's like the and the, but the whole thing is shot. It's pretty much the exact same scene. We'll get into it in the movie, but whenever he trace it, chases a. Uh, Slick Dimitri or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's pretty much that's like that video. Um, but he shot a, a music video for the band first, and then that got a bunch of views. And then based on that, he was offered to do that for that uh, vodka. But anyways, that thing had like uh, that bad motherfucker had like 120 million views. Mm-hmm. And then based on that, there's a director called Timur Bekmambatov. Who directed a really really cool movie called Wanted with Angelina Jolie and uh, what's that other that British actor's name? Oh, uh, McAvoy, and he's a uh, yeah James Scottish. McAvoy. Do what? Scottish. He's Scottish. Oh, is he yeah, Scottish? James McAvoy. Yeah. <clears throat> but he uh, that's a super cool movie. Uh, that and but that Timur Bekmambatov, he's he's really kind of taken these directors with new ideas under his wing. He did the similar thing with uh, the person that made Unfriended. He saw uh, how that was done. He had an idea or thought that it would be a good idea to make that into a feature where the whole thing's told from a a laptop screen or whatever. But this same thing, he thought um, he took that five minute uh, vodka commercial that uh, again with that uh, um, bad motherfucker, he took that idea and he said, let's make that into a feature. And Nation was like, what? That's like a five minute thing. Are you serious? I'm not sure if we can do that, but 
they did it and like like you said at the beginning blake it's just what what really drew you to this movie was their whole uh idea to kind of do this it's and i don't know about you guys but i don't think i've ever seen a movie since then that's kind of been shot like this or in this format that's what big mama top closet he doesn't call it a genre he calls it a format like this format i think that's due to the sheer difficulty it probably was to make this movie yeah i'm sure it was not i mean i really had a lot of fun but like you see moments in movies that do like a few seconds of first person nobody's really done an entire what an hour and a hour and 20 minute movie of entirely first person footage the movie start the movie's never not in first person there is a, another movie that was shot entirely in first person and he makes a point to blatantly reference the movie so when people go hey you're not the first you're like yeah i fucking know that's why i put the reference in my movie <laughs> this movie from 1947 called eden lake or lady of eden lake and he has a, there's a poster in one of the scenes it's like as soon as he like comes to the room it's a big red poster and it's right in the front <laughs> it's you make he makes a point of you looking at it so he knows and then there's like one other one that's in there too. So he put them both in there just so people would shut up and not try to like, well, did you know about this? Cause I'm a snooty movie critic and a, you know, weed that lives in my parents' basement. <laughs> but yeah. This, I mean, this was his first movie and, and he started out with, he was uh snowboarding in Italy once he had a GoPro and he, he filmed himself and he was a terrible snowboarder. And he's like, and eh, I need some better footage. So he had a friend that was pretty good at parkour. He had him put it on and, um, he's like, man, this is this is a great idea. So that's what kind of spurred him into making that music video and then to Bad Motherfucker. And but he pretty much, I mean, pioneered this whole thing, to be honest, uh, this whole this whole format. So, I mean, that's that alone is pretty awesome. But this was his first movie. And really, he's only made another one other movie since then that nobody with. Uh, um, uh, what, What's that actor's name? That was Bill uh, Odenkirk. Bill, Bob Odenkirk. Bob Odenkirk. Yeah. Bob Odenkirk. Sorry. Which is a super, super cool movie. I don't know if you guys have seen that, but we hadn't yet. And it's more of a um it like just regular format movie, action movie. It's kind of a John Wick style, but he was actually naturally was wanting to make a movie like that. He was a kind of already gearing one up whenever Beck Mamatov contacted him about making this type of format into a feature movie. So I guess he had always kind of wanted to make that another kind of movie. So I'm interested to see what else he does because again, he did you know, a really good job with this, pioneering that, and then nobody was a super cool action movie, um, funny and everything. So he's he's a really good director. He really is. He's he's very talented. Anything you want to add about him, Blake? Who, uh, Timor? Uh no, or... Nate Schuller. Oh, okay. Just that he he was he's been given a, a massive amount of praise for for this idea. One of the things that kind of like bolstered it kind of helped get Timor's attention was that three of the, of these real big, uh, I don't say, well, one of them's huge. And the other ones are kind of pretty large too, like shared and tweeted the, the video. Uh, one of them being Jared Leto talked about how awesome the video was and shared it. A, uh, uh, Darren Aronofsky, someone we spoke about on the podcast a little while, he he, you know, talked about how crazy and amazing the the artistic direction was. And then one really cool one is the fact that Samuel L. Jackson talked about it, and his quote was, "Uh, that's some buck wild shit going on there." 
<laughs> and that you know, just the fact that he talked about it was amazing and got enough people like, whoa, what's Sam what's Samuel O. Jackson talking yeah. about? I'm surprised. I, I I mentioned it while we were watching it. I'm surprised that uh Neville Dean and Taylor never said anything because this movie is like crank in first person. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I saw mean, people refer to it like this as crank. Yeah. It really is. I mean it's it's fairly similar. Uh one other cool thing that uh it is more for you and me drew as a than than steve but um hideo kojima has uh has said that he considers that uh, Ilya a, a genius wow in the uh, in the music video genres so the, awesome. hideo kojima is a massive uh personality in video games yeah he's one of the most famous people in video games i mean this he Nashiller, he did say like he 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 didn't want to make this like as a video game, but I don't know about you guys. When I was watching it, it just simulated a video game to me. It was like going through one level to another, like all the way to the very end. Like he reaches this, like he goes through all these different worlds and he meets the villain at this top level, you know. And mm-hmm. I don't know, it just kind of symbolized the video game to me. By the yeah. way, that vodka for that um bad motherfucker <laughs> was called Neft Neft vodka. Mm-hmm. And again, it's like it's cool because this dog bites his arm, and he uses the the vodka like he pours on there, and it says "neft" on there. And he's like, they're jumping from like they're in this like airplane yard, and they're jumping from airplane to airplane. The airplane says "neft" on it, so it was like a commercial for that. It was pretty cool. And that yeah. that band's video, it was it was called the Stampede. A heist gone wrong leads to a series of first person fights and battles. It racked up millions of views. And then based on that, he got the neft vodka job. Pretty crazy, man. You know, just one day you're doing something like that, and the next day you're a big time director pioneer in a completely new format. Yeah. Well, talking about his uh, music videos, like he's directed all the band's music videos mm-hmm. that have that they've done. And he's done a few other people. Um, matter of fact, Russian Russia's biggest rock band called uh, Leningrad. He mm-hmm. did a music video for them. He and, won an award or something, didn't he? Yeah, and He's done multiple apparently, and because he became friends with uh Leningrad, their front man actually makes a cameo in the movie, a pretty notable cameo uh, with the pliers around the nose. Oh, that's him. That's the that's oh, the front that's man of Leningrad. Okay. That's cool. That's cool. As well as uh, there's a band me and Drew really enjoy. A gentleman me and Drew really enjoy. A uh, Serge Tankian. Mm-hmm. He did a music video oh, for yeah, him from uh, El- System Elasticity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, from System of a Down, and then. Uh, some fella called The Weeknd. He did a music video for him. Weeknd's huge. He just performed the Super Bowl two years ago. I never even heard of him. He's coming out with a really cool show that I'm super excited about. He's he's getting into acting. Um, there's this show on that's getting ready to come out on HBO that's been hyped up for like almost a year now. But he's like the producer of it and everything. Uh, with uh, Lily Rose Depp is the main star of it. Oh, was again, that, super... that, uh, that cult one? No, um, she, she's yeah, yeah, that's it's not veer off, down that veer off into yet. this. <laughs> oh, it's funny you mentioned earlier though, too. You talked about um, he wanted to avoid video game tropes, and you're like, it kind of felt like a video game. His whole goal was to not blatantly beat people over the head with video game references. He's like, yeah, if people watch this movie, they would be like, oh man, this dude plays video games, yeah, duh. Mm. <laughs> this show's uh, called The Idol. Yeah, that, but you'll, that you'll is know that, who the um, weekend is soon. Trust me. Yeah, that is that one we talked about with her being a. I've cult. heard. Of, I've heard of them. <clears throat> I, just, I didn't know what they were doing. Is it just one guy or something? 
Yeah, he's just one guy. One guy, yeah. I've heard the he name. He was the also weekend. in that movie. Uh, did you guys watch uh, hit, uh, Uncut Gems with Adam Sandler? Not yet. He was in that as well. He had a part yeah. in that. We watched that. We watched their previous movie, uh, Crazy. Oh, uh, uh, Crazy Times or Good Times? Good Times. Mm. Yeah, with our pats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I said, he wanted to avoid um, <laughs> avoid tropes because some of his producers are like, "Ooh, uh, you should you should give him a, a HUD, a heads up display while he's running around and get or put like a life bar <laughs> in the top right corner." He's like, "That's that's just stupid. I'm not doing that. That's too <laughs> too blatant." And to the point, the the first kill in the movie, they wanted it to be a, a crowbar kill, so they could be, "Ooh, it's a reference to Half Life, you know, because crowbar Half Life, ha ha ha." And he went out of his way to um, uh, the very first kill in the movie is actually a uh, what we call it, a windshield wiper blade, as opposed to a crowbar on purpose mm. just to not not do that. And he avoided so many things. This is trying to not be the video game movie. Yeah, yeah. But there's still things that slipped in. It's just impossible not to. Yeah. Matter of fact, to the the whole finale, the the final big fight. Uh, it didn't start out that way, but as he was like set designing, he's like, put this over here, put this over here. And I went to the, like, had like half the set finished. He goes, ah, oh, crap. And they're like, what, what, what's wrong? What's wrong? He's like, this is no mercy hospital from the left for dead campaign. This is the rooftop finale of the fourth chapter. And they're like, what are you talking about? He's like, Ugh. fucking video game. <laughs> so he's like, screw it. And he just kind of went all in. He's like, you know what? Let's let me do a huge thing. That's kind of, he, they literally took, that and turned it in real life like it's the exact same setup as the end of the no mercy campaign in left for dead it's the exact same setup to the point with the guard shack and all that mm-hmm. but he's some things you do he just couldn't help yeah yeah um yeah and he he was the writer as well i mean there's some other people that kind of get credit like some writing credits but he the, I mean, the main credit is him as writer director but there's another guy named will stewart but there there is a Apparently, a, a comic book told the origin story called Hardcore. It, did, you, did you pronounce it Akan? Uh, Akan. Akan. I, I wasn't sure. Did they? I, I couldn't even They call him like, Akan in the movie. I, yeah. I, I think I, I'm, I'm using the pronunciation they use Akan. Akan. Yeah. So there's a comic called Hardcore Akan number one. And it was basically the origin story for Hardcore Henry and two other guys, Brian Phillipson and Will Stewart, helped write that. But the movie itself was pretty much completely written by Nate Schiller, from what I understand. Likewise. Yeah. Right. Anything else we want to add on him or you want to jump to the actors? Should we kind of talk about some of the, like, when, when do we want to kind of talk about, like, like some of the, like, note type things? Do we just want to sprinkle that in throughout or... How do you want to kind of hit the, the, what, the technology of it? You know, all the technology. We can like, maybe hit the, hit the actors and kind hit of the actors, and then we'll kind of hop into maybe, the te- okay. maybe yeah, hit the actors and hit the technology, and then the technology might help explain when you're explaining the scenes of the movie. The technology okay. it took to make those scenes. Yeah, gotcha. Now, real quick, before we dive into the actors and stuff, I technically have four. That's what I have. If I, if I get the same four, I would imagine. And in, in, in this particular case, it's not uh, due to star power. It's due to, uh, I'll say, length in the film. <laughs> Necessarily, I'll start with Henry's father, 
He was played by a brilliant actor, Tim Roth, who the majority of the film is just repeating a single line of dialogue. And it's literally not till the final fight where he, you get a full um, three-minute cutscene, maybe? Not, maybe not even three-minute. Yeah, flashback. The flashback about uh, Henry's he father. He seriously is in the movie for three minutes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's uh, Tim Roth. Tim Roth is fantastic. Uh, really quick, couple of things he's been in. Uh, Reservoir Dogs. He's Mr. Orange. He's in uh, Funny Games. Remember that movie, Drew? Mm-hmm. With, have you ever seen that, Steve? With uh, it was a remake. Na- You're talking I think about it's that? Naomi Watts. Yeah, that was a remake. The same director made both of them. Oh yeah, but that's a fantastic movie. I love mm-hmm. it. And something more people would know him in right now is he is uh, Emil. He's the Abomination in the MCU. Yeah, that's not now. That was. No, it's now because he, he reprises the role in uh, Shang-Chi. He reprises the role in Multiverse of Madness. He reprises the role in She-Hulk. Is he in She-Hulk? Yeah. I can't see She-Hulk. It's still kind of not, not a big big role. It's massive. I guess. It's a prominent Hulk villain in the MCU. I don't think Calm down, it. guys. Calm down. I just don't think he's in it that much. To... <laughs> it's probably one of the main things he's known for, I imagine. But it's something he's known for now. Like most people won't know some of his older stuff because people, it's the MCU. People like people only care about Marvel stuff. That's why I wanted to bring up. You know, I brought up Reservoir Dogs and Funny Games, just kind of like because he's not even moved that long. <laughs> so I didn't want to like dive into him all the way. Yeah, and uh, another Tarantino thing he was in Four Rooms. There was four different stories in that Tarantino directed one, but him Roth is. Like he connects all four stories. Um, he's the bellboy or whatever. And then one of the most evil characters I've ever seen in the movie, uh, Rob Roy. I don't know if you guys have seen that, but God, just thinking about that movie and some of the stuff he does in that movie makes me like mad just sitting here thinking about it. Really? Yeah. Uh, he's just terrible. Liam Neeson. Jessica Lang. a good movie, man. Jessica Lang. Hey, we, we like Jessica Lang. John Hurt. Definitely worth watching. Yeah. It came out like came out around the same time as like uh, in the early nineties. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he got nominated for an Oscar for that too. Yeah, I'll have to watch that. I think he was best supporting actor nominee in that. Good, good performance. Now he's he and he is he's one of those hit or miss actors. Um, sometimes he's great, sometimes he's kind of annoying. Uh, he's in an episode of Tales from the Crypt, so I'll always give him props for that. <laughs> Any actor that was in Tales from the Crypt, I like just automatically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, like yep. you said uh you definitely said it right he's if you're starting out with length of time because he was in the movie for like three minutes but it, it's a very profound part oh yeah, yeah very yeah by the end of it then we have um the the main villain of the movie Akan, played by danila kovaslovsky now me kozlovsky yeah he's this is his only English film. Everything else he's done is in, is Russian. Mm-hmm. And well, on top he, of that, he was in Vampire Academy or something. That's a some young that, adult thing, maybe. I guess. Yeah, it was in 2014. He was in that, and then he was in this. But that was his first American. But yeah, I mean, like you Vampire said, I don't Academy. think he was in, in any other American movies other than those two. Besides so these ones, yeah. And if you can even count Hardcore Henry as an American movie, yeah, yeah barely. <laughs> 
surprising them when you watch Harker Henry it's surprising that movie was the movie's English first it's weird you think yeah, it would have been weird. German first Russian, and, or Russian, Russian sorry yeah. and then like English like it had been like dubbed in English because there's so many because it's all you, you you have to see it to see but it kind of strange mm-hmm. if it's English first but no, uh, you're, you're right like yeah I mean pretty much all Russian movies it's funny because they did bring it up that what he played he's usually the hero the the good looking guy who gets the girl at the end of the romantic comedy or like the the you know handsome man who saves the day and this is uh the first and only time as far as i know he's ever played a villain in his career and he actually loved it and he you know, looks people... nothing like that guy in real life either oh you know he looks nothing like him people always love playing villain it's so, so much always so much more fun to play a villain oh, yeah. than, it, than it is mm-hmm. a hero it's more fun to play it it's more fun to write it do you want to take the um i have who do you have next? Well, the girl. Well, I'll just add on him. He he also direct like he, I guess he's getting into directing. He directed a movie called Coach, a Russian movie in 2018. Um, but yeah, he's he's really young. He's only 37, and uh, Nate Schuller's only 39. So, and this movie came out seven years ago. So these people are all like in their early 30s, you know, making that movie. So pretty impressive. Um, yeah, I guess the next one working the way up is uh, I have Haley Bennett. Mm-hmm plays Estelle, which is uh, Henry's girlfriend that gets uh, kidnapped Wife. by a can, like you said at the beginning. And the first thing I saw her in was Equalizer with uh, Denzel Washington. And I just, I've always thought she's just a, a beautiful woman. That she Then she followed that up with Magnificent Seven and Girl on the Train. So it was like, boom, boom, boom. I was like, man, God, this girl's everywhere. Like every time I turned around, she's in a movie. And then I think the three of us talked about this movie when it first came out, Devil All the Time, that Netflix mm-hmm. movie. She had that role in that, but there's so many actors. In I think that she's movie. the mom or something, Tom Holland's mom or aunt. Yeah, yeah. And then that, it, yeah, that movie kind of jumped back and forth in time, different different periods of time that that person's life. But, uh, but yeah, she's I mean a, a really good actress, and she hasn't been in a whole lot since then. I mean, Devil All the Time, I guess. I mean, but it wasn't really that wasn't like a huge movie or anything, and. She has that That's... Cyrano movie with um, Peter Dinklage. She, see, I haven't seen that. I neither, but, but yeah. I'm aware of it. Right. And she's acting nonstop. I mean, mm-hmm. one upcoming thing she has coming out that I'm actually kind of excited for, again, more video game stuff, is she is uh, an unnamed character, but she is in like the top build in the Borderlands movie. Well, hmm. I thought they named all the Borderlands people. They do, but, they've named, but she's unnamed, so hmm. I don't know. But she's in like top build. Click on it. Yeah, I and mean, like you said, she's in. She's definitely working. It's just, I guess, the stuff yeah. that's not on my radar. Uh, the last really thing that hillbilly elegy, and then Serena, like you said, and but but though that that little streak she was on, I mean, those were like really good movies. That remake of Magnificent Seven was fun. Equalizer and Hardwick. Hardcore Henry, Magnificent Seven, Girl on the Train, one of the biggest novels in recent memory. She had one of the main roles in that. But yeah, she was right right there. I thought she was going to be like uh, A-list. But man, we talked about it before, man. Being an actress is so hard. Like, Anna, say your name. Uh, Anna Dermas. <laughs> comes out of nowhere and just has like every big role now, you know, and gets nominated for an Oscar. And But yeah, it's just, it's it's got to be tough to be an actress. I mean, all these, all these roles that, you know, they're all probably going after and Margot Robbie and yeah, it's so easy for them, them because they're out. already names and it makes it harder for the small time yep. people because yep. they can't get big time. 
Anything you want to add on her? No, I mean we did everything. Uh, and you, yeah, well, you, you said girlfriend. It's it, she's his wife. Oh right, yeah, right. I'm sorry. I mean, they make a whole point of him putting the ring on and with everything. the ring, yeah. And then uh, Jim even says, "Like you got married." Like grabs his hand. You're right. You're right. I'm sorry. I, should, I don't know why I said girlfriend. And last and certainly not least is someone who I will forever support their career, anything and everything that they're in. We have a uh, Charlto Copley. He is a phenomenal actor. I've absolutely loved him. We a little hyperbole. I've loved him in everything. I haven't seen all his work, but every I swear, everything he's in, he steals the show. Like in the movie, don't even, don't even got to be up. Now he has a prominent role in this, but like every time he pops into anything, I think he just steals the whole scene. He's, he steals large parts of a movie. This dude should be so much bigger than he is. Like, I mean, we say that about a bunch of actors throughout this podcast, but this guy really, this movie movie alone shows an incredible amount of range from him because mm-hmm. uh, he's given such such a playground, which we'll explain in the movie. But I'm a gigantic fans of Shalto. Most notably for any movie directed by Neil Blomkamp. You got District 9, Elysium, Chappie. I think there's one upcoming. Mm-hmm. And they talked about that he and uh, Charlotte and Neil are actually working on District 10. So I'm actually kind of excited about that. Did you know he improvised all of his dialogue in District 9? Oh, yeah. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. And that's the first thing he ever acted in. He acted in the short that came prior. It was also it was like called District 9 or District 8 or something like that. Alive in yeah. Johannesburg. I credit uh, all their friends. And then it's he... kind of like the same Raimi thing. Like their friends come out of high school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As well as all those movies, he actually got a some one of the first things he did after District Nine was he was in the remake of Eighteen, as Howlin' Mad Murdoch. Mm-hmm. That was a fun movie. Yeah, it was, and he's in the American remake of Old Boy with um, Elizabeth Olsen and Josh Brolin. That movie's hard for me to watch. It has some scenes in it that I it's watched it once. Movie. I can't watch it again. <laughs> I don't think I, I haven't actually seen the American remake, but I've seen the original uh, Korean. There's this that scene in that the end of that where he works his way through that room, killing all those people. Reminds me of a scene, the scene at the very end of this, whenever Henry's like working his way through the. <laughs> you know what I'm talking yeah. about? Yeah. Oh yeah, and he was actually uh, a part of a really cool TV show called Powers. It was a had a weird launch thing. It was like a Sony t- TV show that was only it's like a PlayStation TV show. Like it wasn't even it wasn't even it's not even based on a video game. It's a comic book, and it like was like it was locked in. Like you could only watch it on a PlayStation. So mm-hmm. it's like they it's like they it's the only show that PlayStation launched, and it died. It went two seasons, and then nothing. Yeah, it just it it had nowhere to go, and people weren't. I don't know. People just weren't digging into it. Me and Blake watched all of it. Of course, yeah, we never watched season two because we were like, "Oh, it got canceled." Watch it all. I, thought, I thought we watched all of it. Yeah, that's a really good cast. It's a phenomenal Powers cast. was very cool. Very, it was like doing the dark superhero thing before, before anybody else was. But it was just trapped on that weird PlayStation. They had to like go into the PlayStation. It was like wasn't advertised. It was hard to find, and like it was just so awkward. It was so awkward to watch, and that's what killed it. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. And we had 20 episodes, 10, se- 10 episodes per. And I don't think you and I watched the second season. Mm-hmm. Could we find out that it was canceled yeah. before it even came out? It's probably worth watching. It's probably worth watching if you have 
good luck trying to get your hands on it now. I don't know how you even would. Mm-hmm. And uh, a movie that me and Drew really thoroughly enjoy is called Free Fire. <laughs> Free that Fire's is eight. Right. You, ever seen you guys Fire? recommended that to me, and I watched it. It's have you watched it? Great. Yeah, I watched it oh. like five years ago or whatever it was. You yeah. guys recommended it to oh, me. So so funny. It's the <laughs> I love Free Fire. And I think just recently, like very recently, like a few, like a maybe a month ago, right as of this record, uh, he is in Beast yeah. with Idris Elba. I just watched that recently. It was either on Netflix or Amazon. It was always showing, like, as soon as I logged into one of those. So I was like, all right, I'm going to go ahead and watch it. It's pretty good. Pretty good. It's one of uh, those lion attacks movies. Yeah, it just seemed like, it took, uh, at first glance, it's like, okay, why is Idris Alba making a, making a weird animal movie? You know, people don't tend to think Idris Alba would do. Like, it seems like it's the kind of, the kind of movie you do if your career is taking a dip or something. But it's just always big, you know. So I don't know if it's good. It's good. I mean, we'll watch it some way. Or if you say it's good, we'll watch it. But it was just like a strange. I saw a trailer for it when we were in theaters one time, and I was like, "What a weird thing for him to do." Well, I mean, if you guys like Charto so much, that I would watch it. I mean, he's he has a pretty big role in it. Yeah. Uh, well, whenever you're walk- talking about the TV show, I thought you were going to mention that Russian Doll. That's become a pretty big time TV show. You can get around uh, to watch. He's only in like three trailers, that, and it looks but... very interesting. Yeah, yeah, I never heard of that powers. That that does sound pretty intriguing. You can find it, watch it. It's pretty cool. It's got oh god, one of the I think the season one has a very prominent role. I don't know about season two, but season one has a very prominent role of Eddie Izzard. Mm. He does a hell of a job yeah. playing a awesome. character named Wolf, who's awesome. Yeah, very very gory role. Oh yeah, Eddie Izzard's always good. He's in one yeah. of the great Tales from a Crypt episodes too. Yeah, he's great in Powers. Oh man, that was a, that was a good show. Oh, I don't think I mentioned uh, Charlto plays Jimmy. I don't think I, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't actually mention the character he plays in this. He plays yeah, Jimmy. well, you mentioned Jimmy earlier in the synopsis. I think it's his his, his like only oh. friend in this movie. One other kind of cool thing I do want to bring up whilst we're talking about Jimmy is there's a video game called Payday Two. It's a pretty it's a it's a first person video game. Where you rob banks, and uh, Ilya, being a fan of the game, asked them, "Hey, would you guys be open to this idea as a cross promotion for my upcoming movie?" And they're like, "What are you talking about?" And he showed them the music video and showed them some of the cut that they had of the movie. And they're like, "That sounds great. What do you want?" And he's like, "I have this character, Jimmy, and I want to put Jimmy in your game." And they're like, "Okay." So Jimmy is in Payday Two. Yeah, hmm. that's awesome. That's <laughs> Not only is that is they have a couple of references is at, in the brothel when we get to that scene, right before they uh, go attack everything, and he opens up those drawers to pull out the guns. Uh, inside the second drawer, he opens it actually has his guns. It has Jimmy's mask that he wears when he robs banks in the drawer. It's a big shiny uh, silver skeleton mask. Yeah, wild. But one kind of funny thing is I actually have it right here. uh, Talking about lines of dialogue. So in the movie, Estelle has 63 four lines of dialogue. How many? 63. Really? Yes. She only has 63 lines. Akan has 74 lines. And Jimmy has 94 lines of dialogue. (laughs) Now. That's that's, it? That's it. 
That's crazy. I bring this up. I got it. Seems like so his 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 lines are so good. It seems like there's. I guess it, it seems like there's so many. I now, wrote down Jimmy a bunch of them. Just wrote down seems like more than ninety four. That's crazy. Wow. Yeah. Jimmy in Payday has a hundred and sixty eight lines of dialogue. Wow. God. He never stops talking in that video game. Apparently. You got Charlton. Why wouldn't you use him as much as possible? And I don't know what some of the lines, but like I thought that was crazy. That is yeah. crazy. I'm glad you said that. I would. I never saw that anywhere. But um, yeah. But we'll get into why why Jimmy has the most lines here. Oh yeah. Uh, so you said we want to hit about the, the technology. Yeah. On how that how this is made before we get into the. I just dropped something in the chat. Yeah, it's it. an awesome, awesome article I found. I mean, we could do probably five podcasts just on this technology, so we probably want to be careful <laughs> how much <laughs> we mention of it. But like, like you said, maybe kind of sprinkled in throughout. But I mean, we can like direct people to the you know something else to kind of read more about it. But well, yeah. the, the, um, I'll, I'll def- put the I'll put the link to this in the show notes for anybody listening that's curious about the uh, what what uh, what Steve's talking about here. We're going to reference the article a little bit, but I don't have time to. We'll, we'll read it right now. It looks like it's a long article too. The, the majority oh, yeah, yeah. of the stuff I just you is know actually very cool. Shot on a a specific camera, the GoPro Hero Three Black Edition. That's the majority of what the film was actually shot on using that, and then it was rigged to a like an umpire mask, almost like a like a cage mask that went over the person's face. But instead of covering, because the, the dude, the cameraman still had to see. So the, the lenses are like directly below his eyes, like right, right along his cheekbones. And the only problem is they had issues with that. Uh, and they, the way they solved that was by having the, a lot of, a lot of scenes have characters where they were looking down at, at Henry or any excuse to have these characters wear sunglasses because they had a problem with the people. When you talk to somebody, you look them in the eyes. And so they were looking at the eyes instead of directly into the camera, and it caused some issues and reshoots because people were just staring at, at the actor. Yeah, looking at the actor's eye. Like you would. Well, speaking of the, the actor, is there not any credits for the... Is there like a guy who did who wore the rig? No, there are like 10, 10 different people, so, yeah. So a, a whole stunt crew doing it. Okay, I was wondering about that. That's worth worth mentioning. Because whenever was wondering when we were watching it I was, like, I was like is there one parkour guy that's like doing the majority of this or is like so apparently there's a team there's 10 people mm-hmm. but the majority of the time it was one of two mm-hmm. uh Ilya himself oh really yeah because he himself he does parkour of course he does <laughs> uh so he he did the majority of them and then his buddy who I did not write his name down um because I'm a horrible person. But he ends up uh, the actor who plays uh, Slick Dimitri, who play who has a prominent role in the movie. Uh, that was as his buddy uh, Andre Sarkovsky. No, that's a <laughs> that's that's like a Russian musician. Um, <laughs> yeah, his name's Andre. Yeah, and he 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 did mo- the majority of the other stuff. Very cool. Yeah, and they were evidently like kind of prototyping this thing throughout the the production and some guys had like herniated discs and things like that, yeah. like injuries because of the weight of it. Cause it was so we had one guy um, ended up hurting himself because he, uh, I don't think he like dislocated, but he sprained a disc in his neck cause he did a jump and the camera is so heavy. Cause whatever reason, Ilya 
he laughs about it, but he's like, yeah, every shot I did, I did anywhere from 10 to 15 times. Cause the shots he's like, I just wanted to get the best one because sometimes like, Oh, you could see the foot or you could do this. And it just, but he, he did every scene anywhere from 10 to 15 times. And, and every hurt. day they were editing it. Like they were, so they were, they were seeing right what they got. And yeah, because it, you know, and at first it, it, it was like moving a lot and they had that, what is it called? Like magnetic stabilization. Like that's like another unit that they had put on there. And, um, but the final product, it was called the adventure. What is it called? Adventure mask. Yeah. Adventure mask. And you can it. actually buy that now. Like it's an actual thing that they use and, and it, it can have like up to five kilograms of, of weight on it distributed. So it's, it's an actual thing that, that people use in sports nowadays. And, and the, it, the the camera's like at the mouth level so you can see like the whole body like whenever you bend down so all those shots whenever he bends down it's not like up here and it, mm-hmm. it the way that they did it was it just worked better with that angle and but you apparently like all kinds of different things whenever you watch different sports like x games and different different things like that they use this thing quite a bit so again he pioneered not only the movie in that format but he pioneered this this adventure mask one thing that Beckman Batov said uh, whenever you're talking about that all the different people that played that that role of like the 10 different people uh, of, of Henry. Yeah. Uh, Beckman Batov said something really cool. He said the biggest issue in this format is if you're the cameraman, you're a character and then you're at the same time, you're being cognizant of the shots at the same time. So like you're playing that character, like looking at this person, looking at, and there's all kinds of marks they had to hit. So, I mean, that was a really, really difficult role. And then if you're an actor in this, like Copley had a, the easy job. He, he yes. Mom Top said all he had to do was act. He was just a character. But that <laughs> that cameraman, I mean, they're literally making sure they get the shot, making sure they're looking at the right thing. And then at the same time, like, you know, like different things that they're doing for the, the character of Henry. So, this, I mean, again, that was just really cool. That that whole part into itself. But any again, anytime you do a movie in this format, that person is going to be in charge of all that, you know? So mm-hmm. um, like he said, it's like the, no it's matter what why, you do in this, format, probably why he, why he, he said he like a lot of it was him wearing his own, the director yeah. wearing the, wearing the rig, yeah. doing this stuff. So this maybe specific shots, he needed to be a certain way that he knew where he needed to look and even mm-hmm. probably still get, still didn't get it on the first try. I imagine. No. Other than um, the Tim Roth scene, he's like, every scene was about 10 to 15 takes. Yeah. I can imagine. And yeah. for something that was only supposed to be 18 months, it took them it took them three years to complete Hardcore Henry in its entirety from start to finish, pre to yeah. post. Yeah. And apparently, like when they first like did this, when people watched it, it made them it made them sick because of how much it was moving around and shaking. And I got I got I got motion sick when we watched it in theaters, but I didn't get it when we watched it here at home. So I don't know what the it, difference is. It's one of those movies too. Like the first time I watched it, even at home. I was like, I wouldn't say I was sick, but I was kind of annoyed, you know? And then the more I watched, I got used to it. Yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, and that's with this perfected, you know, mechanism, the adventure mask and everything. I can only imagine how it was because they literally at the beginning kind of just had a, the GoPro hero three, like mounted and it was like shaken. And, but yeah, I mean, they went through all kinds, they went through three directors of photography, all kinds of stuff, you know, just to kind of get through this. So well uh Ilya himself says that he's prone to getting motion sick and so he made it a point to try to let people like 
when you watch the movie, like he didn't want people to get motion sick because if, if he he said his thing was if he watched it, and at the end of it he had to like close his eyes and catch himself. He's like, nope, we got to do something else. We got to slow it down because mm. he wanted people to be able to enjoy it without getting sick. Because he himself, like I said, gets motion sick mm-hmm. easily. Yeah, constant stunts, constant effects. I mean, they're just you 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 watch and it almost seems like it's like a one shot movie, but they should it, it wasn't nowhere near that. I mean, because Every no. single thing is like a kill, you know what I'm saying? An effect, and mm-hmm. I can only, I mean, you just can't, can't even imagine like how many different like bursts of like shots that they had doing this thing. And each got to set each one up. And like I said, all these people trying to hit so much fight choreography, hitting the same marks. And it's just, it was an accomplishment, man. And it was, it was a feat, and they, they did a good job with it. He did say a lot of his shoots, a lot of his shots were, um, planned to be anywhere from five to eight minute long shots so every time we took a take he would do the full shot and then he would just piecemeal it the best parts together because it was just easier that way probably the best best way to do it yeah because he's like you gotta get the best of everything so i might as well do it a couple times yeah um are you ready to kind of like dive into the movie we've been talking about everything else for a minute it'll come into like i think it was a good setup though i mean I feel like certain scenes you you can bring, you can bring up more of oh, how, yeah. what it took to make that shot because there's a lot in this yeah. in this movie like it's so Blake was telling me even before we got on the call we were watching these little videos we're playing on the other screen and Blake was like yeah that's real that's real that they actually did that I was like Jesus I don't know how they did this without killing anybody it's funny there's way more to this movie that's done practically than you think CGI and then some of the tiniest things or CGI and you really like they couldn't do that that real yeah never know like we'll get to like one of the one of the first scenes like there's so much practical and then there's a CGI thing and you're like really they couldn't make that work whatever mm-hmm. so the movie kind of like I said it starts with a pretty awesome title sequence it's loud kind of banging punk opening sequence well, that he before actually the, before the t- credits is the the first memory of the his dad Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, with the the three bullies and mm-hmm. okay, perfect prime example is uh the bullies. There's three bullies and they just finish, I guess, beating up Kid Henry, and they're tossing this little robot head in their hands, and then the they show them throwing it against the wall and shattering it. The toy the kids hold in their hand is real, and it's actually a childhood toy of Ilias that he's had since he was five. And they're like, cool, so we're going to shatter this. He's like, no. He's like, this toy is worth more to me than than that. Um, we're going to CGI it breaking. And they're like, really? He's like, yeah, I just want to have it in the film. And so in the in the film, it gets thrown against the, a wall and shatters. And that scene is the toy being destroyed is CG. Because oh, he really? Yeah. And he's like, in the in the commentaries, he's like, "Yeah, I paid three grand out of pocket for that scene because I did not want to destroy my childhood toy." It's crazy. Huh. So when he's actually like, "What is he actually throwing?" Nothing. It, it's literally it's a like the the kid like you know kind of tossing its hand is the real toy. Oh. Okay. Then when he gets thrown against the that. wall and shatters, it's it's gotcha. completely CG. So that is the real. He's actually holding that real toy. Yeah. That's cool. And it was his favorite, one of his favorite childhood toys he's had since he was five, and he didn't want to risk. Because on set, um, he himself 
when he was showing him what you know what to do with the toe, he dropped it and almost broke it. And he's like, "All right, no, yeah, no, uh, we're not, we're not, we're doing one shot on on this because I'm not risking losing this toe." That's what, yeah, that's why I asked you, like, what he's holding, because uh, I'm like, man, if it was that important to him, I'm surprised he even brought it on set. Oh yeah. And then, uh, what's the what's that line that Tim Roth says? You little pussy. And that they you hear that a lot throughout the movie. Basically, any time that Henry's knocked unconscious. <laughs> yeah. And then we have a pretty awesome, all 100% practical opening. Opening credits, you mean? Opening credits, and it's like a bunch of violence. People getting hit with, in the head with bricks and baseball bats. One guy gets gutted with a glass bottle knife. <laughs> Stabbed him like yeah. Another one gets a, a knife through the neck, and it looks incredibly real. Like, you can see, because it's got a... It's got grooves on the back, and you can see it's almost almost you can see the grooves catching on the skin as it goes through. <laughs> but they use one of those like uh poly gel lifelike models, and they were just they just had a field day. He said he yeah. spent 30 hours shooting all this stuff, and then he just made the credits himself after the movie was done. Because oh, yeah. he wanted them he wanted to use stuff that he had used techniques he learned in the movie. Because he wanted to make one, some of the best opening credits that people, anyone had ever seen. Out of all the stuff that happens in it, the one that, like, for some reason, like, you just named all the gory stuff and that knife going through the neck, but for some reason, the one that bothered me the most was that brick. Oh, yeah, that brick. You know what I'm talking about? It looks yeah, so it real. Hits. Like, yeah. It's like hard. it, like, smashes his head and, like, bounces off. And... Isn't there a bat hits him in the face or something? Uh, on top of the head. Like, oh, coming down. Right. And, and the bat says Hardcore Henry across it, and mm-hmm. it's coming down on the head. Yeah, cool. There's a bat scene and some cool lines with the bat too. I have kind of written down for later on. Speaking but, of, uh, it, the title is called Hardcore Henry. It's actually only called Hardcore Henry in the U.S. Its original name is just Hardcore, and that's what it was in Russia and in like the, the Europe's and stuff like that. It only got the Henry part when it came over here, and when it was he was like, by I kind of and... yeah, STX. And Ilya says he actually now prefers it to be. He he only calls the movie Hardcore Henry. He never calls it Hardcore because hmm. he likes the name better. And he made this thing for two million dollars, and then STX bought it for ten million. So I mean, even what? though it was like considered a bomb, I guess it's considered uh, a bomb Nash- by STX. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Like yeah. Nashuller, he he spent two million and made ten, like sold it for ten million. So I mean, <laughs> he he did all right, but. Well, the That's box deep. office for the film was uh, almost 17, 16.8 million. Yeah, but, but like, cons- yeah, I mean, if you, when it was box office, like half of those receipts oh, yeah. go to, yeah. Yeah. So basically it made like eight. But STX, oh, were, they called it a flop because like they spent 10 grand on it to buy it. To 10 secu- million. 10 million to secure uh, the global rights to it. Yeah. And then the movie just didn't which is weird the movie didn't pop off as much as it should have they were expecting more out of it i guess because all the internet hype they're like 120 million that means there's gonna be this many people you know watching it and it just uh... maybe, maybe they didn't promote it well enough yeah. well one of the things i saw was like one of the, like the second largest like third weekend drop of all time it like dropped 2400 theaters so it's like you know i think people probably went to it and they're just like i said 
I mean, and you you even said you were nauseous in theater. I bet people went and they're like, ah, that's hard to watch. You know what I'm saying? I bet that kind of word spread pretty quick. Mm-hmm. It's just, it, it is just, and again, nobody's really made a movie like this since then. I think it's just A, a hard movie to make and B, a hard movie to watch. So um, one, I just want to say in that opening credit sequence, it, one other thing that like kind of tops it off is that song. I think it's like a perfect song that let me down easy by the stranglers. No, oh, yeah. It was, was kind of fit it perfectly. I liked the, I liked the tone of it, it kind of set, set the good tone for the movie. And um, we kind of, and it's, it does a cool thing. It does that loud kind of thumbing song. And then as soon as the movie starts quiet, just dead quiet. And we have Henry in like a, a healing water chamber tube. And then kind of like, as we go through the motions, uh, we find Estelle is reviving him and essentially putting him back together because he has been something. He doesn't have a leg, he didn't have an arm, and he's got some damage across the torso. And then she puts him together. She gets a, a, a robotic leg. She uh, snaps it in, and then she puts a robotic arm that is about from like what the elbow down. Mm-hmm. And talking about like the practical CGI stuff is the, the arm is completely practical. And so is the leg. What they did is they had, um, this is his friend, uh, Andre. They had him stick his leg through a table and then attached the, the prosthesis with the motor to his kneecap and let it spin. But that was all real. Hmm. And then she's like testing his reflexes or whatever, like how strong his arm is. And so she puts an apple in his hand and in his robot hand, he's supposed to squeeze it so he can see what happens. And the, the apple exploding in the hand was a hundred percent practical. They literally really? just stuck a tiny piece of uh, explosive into the apple and blew the apple up in his hand. Huh. But the thing that wasn't real, this is one of those things where the CGI was in real life. He had his hand completely palm open for safety but in the video, they have the fingers curl around the apple. The fingers curling around the apple with CG. Hmm. That is weird. That's how they did that shot. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, and I mean, throughout this whole scene, she's kind of saying some dialogue, and that's where we find out their relationship and that they're married. She's wearing a wedding ring, and he's not wearing one at that point, though, is he? When she, when she gets fully clothed, she hands it then to him. she hands it to him. Yeah, and that's right. Speaking of that, it wasn't until later they had, um, cause, how do I explain this? Okay. Because Ilya says in Russia, people wear their wedding rings on their right hand. Mm-hmm, they do. So yeah. through the first, he, he said that he literally had to reshoot an ent- like a half day. Because when they did the shot, he put it on his right finger. And they did the shoot. They did, they literally did the, the whole shoot. And it wasn't until a little later where Haley was like, hey why do you keep putting the ring on your, cause she was like the only other like American on set. And she's like, why do you keep putting the wedding ring on your right finger? It's supposed to go on your left, isn't it? And he goes, Oh no. <laughs> and so they literally had to spend the next 12 hours reshooting what they just did putting the, so he could put the finger, the ring on the left hand and then do all the scenes with the ring on the left hand. I guess it could have worked though, because I mean the whole damn movie takes place in Moscow or whatever. But it, it people in Western audiences, because he wanted to make it for Western audiences, would have yeah. been like, "That's weird. Why would you do that?" Yeah. So it had to match the people he the the audience he was shooting for. 
Mm. Interesting. That's like a little tidbit. And then we do we go through a um she gets them all, you know, fixed. And she takes them to a room where you meet like a sound engineer and they're like, Hey, you ready to pick a voice, Henry? Ha ha ha. And he, he could be Arnold Schwarzenegger or he could be Louis Armstrong or Elvis. And then lo and behold, a can the attack a can's attack happens and Henry doesn't get a voice installed. And so we spend the entire movie with a nonverbal main character. And a great line from Jimmy when he first meets him. Three years uh, of waiting for this moment, I get Charlie fucking Chaplin. <laughs> <laughs> and this is also the first of a few cameos by Ilya. Is uh, During this scene, you have Estelle, the sound engineer, Henry, and a guy in the background playing the guitar. The guy in the background playing the guitar is Ilya. And he also happens to be the the first kill of the movie. He's the guy that, well, as soon as the, like, Akan breaks in, well, cool thing about this is when Akan breaks in, he has these three hulking mercenaries. And they were actual Russian SWAT team members. Because he wanted uh, the first time you see mercenaries on screen to be as legit as possible. And so he had real Russian SWAT team members do this. So throughout the rest of the movie you at least have the first impression of real military Russian SWAT members. So you kind of like can fake with, with an introduction like that, but it is revealed very quickly that Akan is not like other people. He has a tele, he has some sort of telekinetic ability. Does they ever explain how he has that? Nope. Okay. Not I, I was like, I'm, am I going to look like an idiot on this podcast for not knowing Every time they I watch, I was like, it at all. Okay, all right, good. I'm glad I didn't miss something. So he, in like a vulgar display of power, he picks up this rent. He picks up Elia and stabs him profusely in the neck and the guts, and then lets him die. <laughs> so the first death in the in the movie is Elia himself. Well, I guess it's the second death because that other dude gets smashed by the door, right? Whenever he blows the door off. Like she, the, she has two scientists in there, yeah. and, and one gets one of them. Okay, okay I guess so. Board. Okay, well, I I forgot about that guy, the, the sound well, engineer. And the only reason I said that is because I was getting kind of confused who Elia was whenever you said that. So I just want to make sure I knew who he was. He is the guy. So who he is the one that gets stabbed. Line right? of dialogue. He just gets stabbed a whole bunch of times. Yeah, that so that Elia is the one that gets stabbed. Yeah. Okay. And then there's dialogue of Akan. You know, he's aware of Henry, and he's like, "What does Henry? Did, did I come in before the procedure was done?" Can you not speak? Ha 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 ha. He does a good just... job, man. Akon. 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 I know I keep wanting to say it wrong too. Akon. It's Akon. Yeah. Great intro for a very eccentric villain. And then uh, Estelle triggers a, a trap and it like basically a um best way for me to best way for me to describe it is like a back to the future thing where she turns the volume all the way up on these speakers and hits the play button and the volume is so loud that it blows everyone off their feet and we begin the, one of the first of many many chase scenes and they run and run and run and they you know get through make it to these uh escape pods and we find out very quickly during this run that they're in a lab uh, that's floating in the sky because Henry almost dies immediately running out of door. Mm-hmm. I will say, like, this one of the things that did bother me throughout the whole movie is because they do, they have so many chase scenes. It almost gets old. You know what I'm saying? 
A little bit, but I feel like the chase scenes were just to show off some of the parkour stuff. It's all it parkour was. Parkour in first person looks cool, I guess. That's probably what a lot of that was. Yeah. And, it, and you said he's a fan of parkour. He's a parkour guy, too. So I, I think a lot of that was just having fun and kind of showing off a little bit. And like I there said, that lot. that that bad motherfucker, that's all that whole thing. That bad motherfucker was a, a long, it was one of those chase scenes, like a four-minute mm-hmm. chase scene. And it leads them to some escape pods. And they're, they're, it's funny. Right here's a bit of a mess up that's left in the movie. And he left it in the movie on purpose so that he says he so he could have some like behind the scenes commentary on it. Is when Henry and Estelle make it to the make it to the escape pod and um he pulls her into the escape pod with him because she's she she's gonna like make him leave, but then he pulls her in with him so that they can leave together. During that scene. You can see it. I looked at I I caught it on the second and third watch because I had two commentaries to watch. Is there's someone's cell phone, some 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 crew member's cell phone is sitting on the girder. So as soon as they they pull the the escape pod door down, you can see the cell phone just sitting there on. And he was like, "Yeah." He's like, "I never found out who it was, but as soon as I do, I'm gonna go Henry on the ass." <laughs> That's cool. And then we have a really cool. Uh, I guess orbital drop is the best way to describe this. This cool falling sequence was actually the only thing left over from the original script. The original script that he had um, for this was, how do you explain it? Was basically uh, aliens coming to Earth and their ship being shot down. And one, uh, Henry, the main character's ship, lands in one spot and his mother's lands in another spot, and the whole movie was him chasing to get to his mother using a tracker, using her homing beacon. Mm. And he's like, that was just too expensive to shoot with aliens and stuff, and people wouldn't get it. But the idea is what he morphed into Hardcore Henry, but the orbital drop is the only thing that was still, that made it from the original script to now. Mm. Interesting. And we land with a massive amount of hubbub. They cause a huge traffic thing and uh, ACANS people come in and start barking orders at them after, they, after they've landed. And kind of behind the scenes thing here is as they're kind of gathering, Henry's gathering his senses or whatever, he's almost hit by a car. Uh, the, it's revealed in the behind the scenes. And if you, uh, you can catch it on your subsequent uh, watches is the car that almost hits him is actually Jimmy. Before he's even introduced in the film, he almost kills uh, Henry by dodging him in traffic. But kind of a a funny behind-the-scenes thing here is they had everything lined up. They had the permits and the files, everything legitly done. And they were supposed to be given three lanes of traffic for three hours to shoot these shots. As soon as they start... A, a police officer comes up and starts going, I don't care what permits you say. You guys are only getting two lanes of traffic. There's too much traffic. We're going to have some people coming through because blah, blah, blah. And Ilya was like, yeah. He's like, because in Russia, it's common knowledge that the cops are corrupt. All he was trying to do was give us a shakedown. So we would bribe him and he would go away. And he was like, "Uh, he's like, I had one or two choices. Pay the guy or try to scare him off. And he comes in being all big and bad and trying to explain to us that we don't have the proper permits, but we do. We, we had everything signed with the chief of police and everything. We did everything legitly. 
And so he says he he kicks a traffic cone and it goes flying and it ends up shattering the dude's cherry light, which is the, the, the lights on top of the vehicle. And the cop goes, you better watch yourself, son. And they they get into a screaming match. And the guy goes, I'm coming back. And when I come back, you're going to jail. And he gets in his car and he drives off. And he says he, that was the most badass he's ever felt in his entire life. And he was <laughs> legitimately worried the dude would come back with friends and beat his ass. Because <laughs> cops are just that corrupt right. in Russia. And he said it gave him a lot of uh, cred with his crew for standing up to him. But he said the only person who was more terrified than him was Haley because everyone else understood Russian and he screamed to that dude in Russian, but Haley was the only one who didn't speak Russian. And so she was incredibly terrified as to what was about to happen. And that's the thing, like in every one of these scenes, everybody's speaking Russian pretty much through pretty much the whole movie. Oh yeah. It's, 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 it's Russian English, but they speak English, but it's, it's filmed in, in like you said, in Russia, in Moscow like- and a couple other places. Akan and all of his men he's speaking Russian. Yeah. I mean, Jimmy, Jimmy is really and Haley are the only one. And then Akan, like he even speaks Russian every once in a while, but I'm pretty sure Jimmy probably speaks some Russian too. Depending you know, on which says, Jimmy you're talking about. Thank like thank you and a few other things in Russian. But yeah. And then uh, we kind of like um I know it's it's hard to get it's because now we get to like the first like the oh god, the first Henry action scene, as opposed to just running, this is Henry fighting back. And there's a big old long scene, including the first Henry kill, like we said earlier, with the wiper blade. We just stabs a dude straight through the neck with the wiper blade. Mm. Huge epic fight scene, awesome, some parkour, jumping over cars, and then you know, using some gun foo, crawling under some some vehicles, do some stealth. And uh, Jimmy comes in, saves the day. And hits a fellow with a car. Has a great introduction. He hits the guy with the car, climbs out his windshield, blasts the dude away at point blank with a shotgun. He goes, Hey, I'm Jimmy. And you're like, that's just a great intro for a character. Yeah. And he's like, Come on, we gotta get out of here if we wanna we we gotta get out of here. Yeah, and that's where he has that Charlie Chaplin line. I love that. But yeah, he's uh he and then he gets even that car and uh but we should say, like in that whole thing, Estelle was that's when Estelle was captured, and yeah, Henry, she she, like, he, she was left on the bridge because uh, Henry was Sparta kicked off. Yeah. He was shot with like a taser, I think, like a yeah, and some, launched off the bridge. Yeah, yeah, it's like like you said, like he's on an overpass and falls straight down to the the ground below, and that's where Jimmy comes up and gets him, and he says that line. He loads him into the car, and he's he has that other line. He's like. Good news is you're going to live a while. Bad news is, in this case, a while is 20 to 30 minutes tops. So the whole <laughs> thing at this point is he has that battery, like think Iron Man type thing, but he has that yeah. battery that's like charging his his cyber body or whatever, and he needs to get that thing charged. So that's the the cause of their first little mission here. His first battery, and this is to go get a gentleman named Slick Dimitri. You have to hunt down Slick Dimitri because Slick Dimitri has upgrades similar to his and he's like, you literally have to go in, go to Slick Dimitri, reach your hands into his chest and pull out his heart. And fucking eat it. I was <laughs> just joking, you don't eat it. <laughs> this one is called uh, Bond Jimmy. So as Bond Jimmy and Henry are driving to the destination, they become accosted by, oddly enough, Russian police officers. And 
Bond Jimmy is subsequently murdered during this particular scene. Uh, this happened to be Charlotte's scariest thing because he actually did all the driving himself during this scene mm. again all the stunt driving and he thought he had killed the stunt guy really because he has to grab the dude in the window hit a car hold on to the guy and then hey, elbow him have him fall out and then dry, keep on driving and while they were and they doing did that, all that yeah that, Shelton all that did all real. that he did the driving he did all that yeah. during this scene and he said while they were driving he hit a bump and he it went dum, dum. And he thought he ran over the stunt guy. And so he he was driving terrified until they could pull around to like the block and get back to him. And he was just white faced and it ruined the take because he looked at Ilya and was like, did we just kill him? (laughs) And they had to like stop the take and come back around only to find the, uh, the stunt guy going, did we get it? Did we get the shot? That felt great. And Charlotte was like, no, I ruined it because I thought I killed you. And he's like, man, everybody reset. Let's do it again. Wow. That's great. And then, so the death of Bond Jimmy leads again to another chase scene through the park where he kicks the crap out of a few people. But we also get a good glimpse at, this is um, like character building for a nonverbal character. It happens at least twice during this scene, during this particular chase scene. He's running from the cops. He has he's gotten a change of clothes from Bond Jimmy. And he kind of goes into this underground clothing store and changes. And when he once he gets changed, uh, he gets accosted by some more cops. One of the cops pulls a gun on him. He ends up getting the gun and shooting the one cop. And the second cop, he had already knocked knocked out and he didn't finish that cop off. He throws a gun on the ground and runs. And that's the first time we've paid attention that. Henry is only killing people who attack him first and who threaten him with deadly violence. Because later, you know, that, that, that other scene happens when he's running after Dimitri, but he goes through this whole other scene not killing another person and only fighting people that accost him. And he gets to, he steals some other people's clothes because his get all bloody and burn up from that, that first chase scene. And then he get, he steals some other people's clothes, gets in those and then makes it to a bus where he encounters uh, Hobo Jimmy. Where, are these the names in the credits? Well, these are the names that they gave to him, like, behind the scenes. Because you have I Hobo like, Jimmy. I kind of had, had my own names for him. I didn't realize I actually had names. You had Bond Jimmy, Hobo Jimmy, The Colonel, Bashful Jimmy, Coke Jimmy, Hippie Jimmy. Be, I was going to say Hippie Jimmy has to be one. Yeah, Hippie Jimmy's in there. I named one Hippie Jimmy. And then there is regular Jimmy, Honk Jimmy, Gilly Jimmy, or Sniper Jimmy. And then who am I missing? I'm going to confuse folks without explaining what's going on. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll you get really, to all these yeah, Jimmys. You don't really find out right away. But anyway. You don't find out why there's also all this, there's another Jimmy. Yeah, so Bond bon Jimmy was killed, and now we have uh, another Jimmy. And at this point, I mean, we don't even know like what's going yeah, on, like no. where all these Jimmys are coming from. But again, they're all kind of in different disguise. They look different, but whenever they show their face, you can tell that it's really Jimmy, and they're saying stuff that only a Jimmy would know. So, mm-hmm. um, and again, you know, Henry, when Henry meets this hobo Jimmy, it's like, do I trust this guy? And I think he even kind of attacks him for a second, and he kind of uh, attacks him and and rips a uh, very violently rips a tracker that's out implanted in his wrist. 
Oh yeah, that's right. He helps him out by doing that. Okay, so at this point, there's another tracker at the end, I guess, that whenever they're in the lab. Mm-hmm. That's, well, that's, a, that's the broadcast beacon. That's not a tracker. It's so the what same, was the, kind of same thing, but different. Did this Jimmy think that he would re- had removed everything? I, that's I mean, that's from, I know it's different things, but at the end, it's like, there was like anger and stuff because. Well, he didn't know about thought. the broadcast thing. He did, so whenever he rips this one out in this bus, he thinks that he, all the tracking devices are gone. Yes, okay, as far as right. he is aware. All right. And then very quickly, Hobo Jimmy is killed by a flamethrower. <laughs> a flamethrower attacks this bus. Oh, he goes, he's talking He's talking to Henry. And he, he looks over and he's like, well, if that ain't the gayest outfit I've ever seen or something like that. And you look out the window and it's this guy head to toe. You know, like this reflective fire, I guess like, fire yeah. retardant suit, flame retardant, yeah. That thing was like, yeah, that ain't the gayest outfit I've ever seen. I'm gonna have to hurt you, Henry, but it's for your own good, mate. Just give me your arm. So, hey, shit. That's me. It's Jimmy. We've only got a few moments until they want to us again, mate. Just, okay, just give me your arm. Okay, just relax. Come on. Here he is. Here he is. Bingo. This little fucker is how they've been tracking you. Doodaloo. In a few moments, your mechanical paths are going to start shutting down. Your friend Akan's got an important Russian connection named Slick Dmitri. Slick handles all Akan's cop slash gun slash real estate slash a lot of other shit. This helpful dot on the map it's Slick's place all you gotta do is break in there kill him open up his ribcage take out his beating arm and fucking eat it <coughs> I'm kidding I'm kidding you don't have to fucking eat his heart under his arm is his charge pump yeah Bring that to me, use this, and I'll contact you on this. That has got to be the gayest jacket I've ever seen. Why is he hanging out the window like that? Does he not realize what this dude's wearing? <laughs> that dude just he's, he's don't him. care. He torches him. <laughs> he torches Hobo Jimmy. Uh, Hobo Jimmy has also given him the order, the the extra set of instructions on how to get to Slick Dimitri yeah. by giving him a phone that has Slick Dimitri's um location before he is burned to death alive. Like so said, Henry another then another part another. Another chase, and he runs all the way to. This is the one, all the way to essentially Slick, Slick Dimitri's uh, last known whereabouts, and he has to uh, parkour up a building, which is really cool in the first person point of view. Makes it, makes it to the building. Some really cool, like old Russian. And when he makes it to this room, that he makes it into this room is the one that I talked about earlier that has all the, all the homages 
that uh, Lady in the Lake, the first person noir movie from 1947. It's got some You're Left 4 Dead posters. It's got some District 9 posters. It's got a bunch of just all the stuff that he loves throwing in this room. That's the part, the two people sitting on the couch, it's their room? Yeah. Okay. And then he then sneaks through that building. And as he's sneaking through, he's being, you know, sneaking around, pop, pop, pop. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to make it all the way to the meter without getting caught. And he goes to ride an elevator. Lo and behold, there are three henchmen in that elevator. Mm -hmm. He kills two of them very quickly. And with the pliers that Jimmy took the tracker out of his wrist in, he then grabs that dude by the nose with these pliers. And that's the front man for Leningrad. And they go through this whole series where he uses that man as a a battering ram, (laughs) a a body, a bullet shield, and kills so many more people. And we make it finally to Slick Dimitri. But as we're kind of encountering Slick Dimitri, there is some, it's a... uh, We we should say, too, that like when when, uh, Henry first fights those people in the pod lands, they all, they basically whoop him, but... Now all of a sudden it's like he's got his muscle memory back because he's John Wick and everybody's ass with that with that pistol. Oh yeah, up and down, and so left and right. He's 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 fully in fighting mode now. Where he's again at, at first he I mean he couldn't fight anybody and I think what Estelle even says something like fight back or fight or whatever and but now he's like he's just moving through this building sniping everybody like just literally like John Wick. So but yeah, I guess everything had to just come back to because he just woke up from possibly being exploded we're not entirely sure how he ended up in that tube right anyway he as he's making it to slick dimitri uh i guess estelle has hacked into some sort of feed and so she her image briefly appears on the screen and says she says watch out a can's coming for you and he's you know he's like oh okay shit you know so estelle is still alive and he's like it kind of like strengthens his resolve to find her and he is attacked by Slick Dimitri. They get into a big old fight here. And then this starts another long, epic Dimitri chase scene, which this is the second time where Henry shows some compassion. Joey's he's not a bad person. Is as he's running through, he's doing his best to dodge around people and not like barrel through people. Unlike Slick Dimitri, who's just shoulder around people, tripping people, get out of his way. There's a very very painful looking scene on an escalator where Henry tries to slide down the escalator and not the, the stairs and ends up hitting a woman and knocking her down. It's like Dimitri just steps and runs over it. Henry takes the time mm-hmm. to pick her up and make sure she's okay before continuing on the race on the chase. I mean, just kind of like really etching in, you know, in your head that Henry is a good person at heart. He is a compassionate man. He only hurts people who need to be hurt. Yep. And he finally catches up to uh, Slick Dimitri and knocks the piss out of him with a bottle of champagne. <laughs> but before that, there's a really cool bridge chasing scene here. There's like a th- three parts to this. Back in the building, they did a really cool practical effect where there's this big metal door and Ilya's idea was to have a, it was a shotgun blast hitting this metal door and they're going to use the metal door as a shield. And they wanted to have these dents that shoot through the door, but don't actually break through the door. Mm-hmm. And their idea was to use a hammer. They wanted to, to have the hammer hit the door and make the, use like a ball peen hammer and make the dents in the door. Their uh, special effects guy was like, hammers, hammers are stupid, dude. Explosives are so much better than hammers. 
And they're like, do you have an explosive small enough to do some damage? He's like, oh, yeah, dude, we have one specifically designed for what you're asking. And he's like, watch this. So he literally <laughs> takes some, a, little, a tiny little bit of C4, pokes it over the door, and was like, all right, say when. And he, boom, he blows, and it makes these perfect, awesome door bubbles, which they use that shot because it was it looked way better than trying to hit that door with a hammer, <laughs> which was Ilya's first idea. And then crazy. chasing, chasing, chasing. Before they get to the bridge, you see Dimitri do this really slick. Again, slick Dimitri does a really slick move. Where <laughs> he hops over a, a chain link fence. And as he's trying to come down, Henry, just, instead of chasing after him, just kicks the fence so hard that it makes him fly off the other side. Which is the first time I've ever seen someone be that smart in a parkour chase. Yeah. I mean, like like we said earlier, man, there's so many stunts, so many marks that people had to make. And again, this person running with this camera, it's just an amazing job that they did to, yeah. to catch we're, all that, you know? We're glazing over the chase scenes because they are kind of long. You have to like, but you have to like witness, like it's not just running, running down the street. Like it's like, there's stuff, there's jumps and spins and flips and just all kinds of, there's so many things happening during these chase scenes. It's really cool to watch happen like they might see that they, they might go on for too long there might be too many chases i just think maybe they just think chases just look cool in first person it, it's kind of boring to talk about but it is amazingly entertaining to watch mm-hmm. i feel yeah and then after the, he kicks him off the chain link fence then we get to a cool bridge thing this that yellow bridge with the blue top and th- i bring this scene up because between Ilya. Andre and one other person, uh, they actually shot that scene guerrilla style because they're just kind of driving around trying to find some places to shoot. And they go across that bridge. They go, oh, man, that bridge would be so cool to jump across, wouldn't it? And um, Andre, the character, the guy who plays Slick Dimitri, goes, actually, me and -and so-and-so used to run across that bridge when we were kids doing parkour stuff. And he's like, and um, Ilya goes, do you think you could do it in what you're wearing right now? And he, he, and he was like, uh, yeah. What do you guys want to do? He's like, well, I think we shoot the scene real quick and not tell anybody. And we just, uh, use it in the movie. And so Ilya, because he was acting as a producer had the right to tell them that we could do this, even though they couldn't legally actually do it. Mm -hmm. So Ilya, the cameraman and slick Dimitri, they literally just, did it in one take ran out there ran across the bridge ran across it before anyone could call the cops got the shot jumped in the car and drove away <laughs> because they, <laughs> they they just wanted to do that real quick and not get anybody in trouble and then we get to the where he knocks out slick dimitri with the champagne bottle and get a pretty awesome uh first person head explosion snipey it was pretty awesome yeah, he's like holding holding him by the collar, whatever questioning him, and then boop, head blown and off. Just goes, pop goes the weasel. Really quickly, he uh he has to reach inside Slick Dimitri's chest and pull out this power unit. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't really know how to plug it in himself. And so he just has to start kind of running again. He just so he runs. immediately gets a phone call, right? At that point. Yeah. From Jimmy again. Hey, it's Jimmy. I'm at this really uh, high-end uh, institute. I need you to come high meet end. me at this address. <laughs> high-end establishment. Yeah, he calls it I'm, at, I'm, at, I'm at this high-end establishment. Just remember, knock on the knocker when you get there. 
get it yep. knock on the knocker <laughs> <laughs> and then it it just skips this run you just boom the next the very next thing you see is there's a giant brass boob right in front of you knock to knocker door knocker knock on the door knocker, knocker. Now, kind of funny is this is an actual brothel in Russia, yeah. and he wanted to have two knockers on the door, uh, but said he couldn't afford the second one because it was six hundred dollars. So he he only had one, and because he, he didn't want to spend the money uh, buying a second one, hmm. that's why there aren't two. Well, interesting. And then we are escorted through the brothel. To bunch where, of blonde I guess wig the, wearing Russian women with black lingerie. I guess she's the the mistress because she's dressed differently and she has like this big fur coat on. She's the only one that doesn't have blonde wig. Yeah, and she's like, "Oh, oh, you're here for Jimmy," and she like, snaps her fingers. Is that? She kind of says and, it in Russian too, and you just hear Jimmy. Yeah, so Jimmy mm-hmm. frequents this place, and they're aware of who Jimmy is. So you're escorted through the brothel in first-person view, seeing exactly what you think you're going to see in a brothel at first-person view. And we finally get to our third Jimmy. Were you, what's this one called? This is Coke Jimmy. Coke you want, Jimmy? Yeah, Coke Jimmy. Okay. Do you want to take over from here for a minute? I just got called him sex crazy Jimmy, but yeah. Yeah, Coke Jimmy. He's he. So he walks in the, the room and there's probably... 15, 20 of these blonde wigged uh, Russian women. And this time they're pretty much all topless or nude. And he's in the middle of them doing Coke and I guess sex acts. And he's, he immediately notices Henry and he jumps up and is uh, <laughs> just again, you talked about Coke. We just have great he is. I mean, <laughs> this, this might be his most fun the, there's a Jimmy at the end that, that I like that has the best lines, but this one's probably the most fun Jimmy in the way Copley acts anyways, but he immediately realizes uh, who Henry is, what he has to do. He gets up, leaves all these women he's in the middle of having sex with and Coke doing Coke with them, walks over to Jimmy and starts uh, trying to do the implant. And then he realizes he can't do it. What does he's he say? He says, yeah. He says, what is he? He's like, I'm in no condition to do this. <laughs> he just gets up and walks off. And then I guess what this nerdy Jimmy was his name. It bounces back and forth, but it was nerdy Jimmy or bashful Jimmy. Bashful. Okay. So bashful Jimmy comes in. But you forget Coke, Coke Jimmy kind of walks up to the side and just passes out, like falls over. And then other yeah, Jimmy he just, yeah. he just falls out. And this other Jimmy just walks out behind these curtains. Yeah. And the whole time while this is going on, it's like glitching, like Henry's like, so what we're seeing, yeah, obviously the entire movie that we're seeing is through Henry's eyes, and this part's kind of glitching at, in and out, going in and out of consciousness, or or like cyber consciousness or whatever, and it's like, it's literally just sitting there glitching, and then all of a sudden he powers back up, and nerdy Jimmy, or bashful Jimmy's like, he's, he's telling like, I can take you. Let's, let's take you back to my lab. I can. I can show you this. I can do that. And then he gets a phone call, and he says "spasibo" or whatever, which means "thank you." And at that point, we realize that there's another uh, a raid or whatever. He he takes off, and what? Uh, I guess Henry goes and he opens up the drawers to get some guns out, and there's a dildo in there. There's a couple and the of girls them. Are like the girls are like bottom drawer, bottom drawer. <laughs> <laughs> so he opens up the next drawer and he gets two guns out and. Uh, at this point, 
nerdy or bashful Jimmy had run out and then Coke Jimmy wakes up again from passing out and he has Coke all over his face. And he's well, he, holding, again, he's in like bikini underwear this whole time. That's all he's wearing and he has a gun. When he when he when he first wakes up, he looks over and there's a there's a little table beside him and a and a pile of cocaine. He just smashes his face into <laughs> yeah, that pile of it's, cocaine. It's just all over him. <laughs> Yeah, and and at this point, like I said, those girls are sitting there, like kind of directing Henry, and uh, Henry's all alone at this point. He has those two guns. He opens up the door, and and then we turn into John Wick again with uh, all these Acans men coming through there and Russian prostitutes running around like screaming. And I guess I mean, it's just we don't we don't know where those Jimmys went because Henry's all by himself at this point, just working his way through there. And then we we see. coke jimmy again just crazy and bonkers like tackling some of those guys and wrestling them again all he's wearing is those bikini briefs and he has like a like a, a an afro throw. type yeah it's just so it, this is the funniest jimmy i think yeah, so <laughs> he's and he's still doing cut like he's like wrestles those dudes on the ground he's like still doing coke. okay that scene uh they they tackle some people uh hold on okay henry jumps over a bar like a, a bar counter and then jimmy jumps over there too and he's like come on boy let's do this and while all this stuff's going on he literally puts his hands in his underwear because he has no pockets and pulls out a bag of cocaine unrolls <laughs> it and just shoves his nose down into it and inhales as much as he can throws the coke down and says let's do this yeah so he, they're, they're- they're going after these guys, and then we're introduced to, um, is it Katya and Olga? Yeah, Katya and Olga. So now, these, real they're quick. They're two badass, like, Russian women. I guess they're, like, some kind of dominate. They're dressed like dominatrixes. It, but it's, in the credits, it's John Olga Wicks. the dominatrix and Katya the dominatrix. Cool side note is uh, Katya the dominatrix. She is uh, actually played by Daria Charusa, who is Ilya's wife in real life. Which and she one is, is also. His wife? Hmm? Which one is his wife? Not Olga, Katya. Like the taller one? Mm-hmm. The one who dies. Okay. Because well, Olga die. stays alive for a while yeah. and she hangs out with Hippie Jimmy, but Katya, yeah, she... Uh, she dies a little later. But not only is she. Um, Ilya's wife she's also the the film's composer hmm. and so during all of this big old hubbub scene Henry's just running through running through and he this one seemed a little eh. uh he's opening up doors trying to hide and he happens to go into a door that Akan is in Which and he Akan telekinetically holds Jimmy there has a whole conversation with this other guy and then kills him with a, a silver platter. Like th- using his telekinetic powers, like shoves the sins and platters through his straight head. To the dude. Well, because the dude's like, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me, Akan. I'm, I'm a family man. I'm a family man. And he, he's in a room with a prostitute at a brother. And he looks over. He's like, is that your wife? And the yeah. guy looks back at him. The, the, the gentleman on the floor looks back at the prostitute, looks back at him and kind of like shrugs his shoulder. <laughs> and then as soon as he shrugs his shoulder, he gets that silver platter straight through the face and dies instantly. Yeah, that 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 woman, that prostitute's completely nude on the bed, and Akan throws her at Henry. Just at, Jim, at, um, at Henry. <laughs> yeah, throws her at Henry, and but, she but then he helps her up and lets her escape. 
another yeah, which uh, goes another right thing now, about yeah. his compassion. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it the, in the way that it, that's another awesome effect. You know, what I'm saying the way did they talk about that at all? Like how she comes flying at the camera like that. Mm, it was all practical. I have some string, some some uh, simple wire works. It, it it worked really well. They gave they said a uh, nude colored uh, harness is the be- is what they had to do. And that's that's the thing, yeah. That's kind of what I was because again, she's completely nude and she goes flying at him and she looks nude. So it is cool the way that they did that. And so, then, yeah, go ahead. Was it uh, Akan picks Henry up and throws him? I guess down a garbage like shoot, a ventilation really. a ventilation shaft, ventilation yeah. shaft or something, yeah. And, and like he, he doesn't kill him. Yes, he definitely can kill him. It's like he's playing with him. It's like he's having fun. Yeah, that, he that's like the whole him. suspension disbelief thing through the whole movie because so many times he could have killed him, but he just like does things like this. And again, I don't know if it's like some kind of end game that he has, if it's all part of the ultimate end game. But yeah, he just throws him down the chute with uh, Coke, Jimmy, and he's like, "Take he, this useless fool with you too." Yeah, and then they land in the parking garage, and Coke, Jimmy's dead. And at this point, I guess. Uh, it's, is this this isn't hippie Jimmy, is it? Or is this it is hippie. Jimmy? This is, hippie, is Jimmy. hippie Jimmy. Okay, so this is the same Jimmy later on, like in the forest, right? Yes, 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 yes. Okay, all right. Because they do but look this... the same, but I didn't know like what happened because this one disappears and then he reappears. So now this one's kind of cool and kind of funny. This is hippie Jimmy wasn't hippie Jimmy. He was supposed to be biker Jimmy, but after three hours in makeup. And putting on the the these tattoos all over his fingers and hands to make him look like a badass, the uh, the tattoos looked terrible. They looked awful. Oh. I don't know what it was, but uh, Charlotte went to Ilya and was like, "Look at this. These look like crap." And Ilya's like, "Oh my god, they do. What happened?" He's like, "I don't know. They just they either just didn't set right. The, the tattoos just ended up looking really, really awful." And so like shark and jaws. Yeah. And so Ilya's like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Um, he's like, he's like, let me set up a couple other shots and we'll try to figure something out. And in that time, uh Charlto came up with the idea. He's like, hey, instead of a biker, he's like, I already got this beard. He's like, just in a bandana. He's like, let me just be a, a hippie. Let me just be a peace-loving hippie instead of a, a an angry, violent biker. And he was like, uh, I don't know. He's like, listen to this. And he just did a, a real quick improv dialogue about um, seeking your higher self, my man. And he's like, you know what? I love it. Um, and they sat down for like 10, 20 minutes and shot through some quick dialogue for a scene and rewrote the biker scene to this hippie scene and changed the and used almost the exact same dialogue, but added in a few a little extra. The primary thing was that higher self. Because that has a an amazing bit right here, where they're interrogating uh one of Akan's mercenaries. Now this is cool, because the person being interrogated uh, is actually Ilya again. Oh really? Yeah, he's he in has the like suit. a mask on, like that yeah. you can't really see. Yeah, he's in the suit. This dude's already kind of like knocked down or beat up, and Hippie Jimmy he's you know smoking a joint, and he goes, "Hey man, look, you have." higher self and you have ego and he's holding up the joint for higher self and ego he's holding up the uzi and the, the russian guy spits on him and says fuck you 
And so he goes, okay. He takes the Uzi, shoots the guy in the kneecap. And as he starts screaming, he, uh, Jimmy's just ho- holding his mouth going, higher self, higher self, higher self, higher self. <laughs> and then smoking the joint and blowing the smoke in his face. And then he holds the guy's mouth again. He was like, okay, higher self or ego. And the guy crying goes, higher, higher self. He's literally he's crying, like, yeah. He's like, yeah, good, man. He smokes, you know, takes a big hit and blows it in his face. And the, you know, essentially interrogate him a little bit to figure out where Akan is gone. Now I've shared something with you. I need you to share something with me. Where's Akan going? What's your gun? What's your gun, bless? What you got? What you be a complete? Point of That is my ego talking to yours. What do you want? Higher self? Ego. Higher self? Ego. Higher self? Yeah. And then. Before he can really give too much more information away, he's killed by the dominatrix girls. And there's They're a like, phen- we've had enough of this shit. Let's go. <laughs> there's a phenomenal joke here with the subtitles, Drew. Oh, yeah. I, I like that part. D- did you catch that part, Steve? I'm looking at my notes. I don't have anything. You want to talk about it briefly, Drew? Since you can. Yeah. It's a joke or just, just, just them playing with subtitles. It's both. He's like, anyone who's married, he's like, you know what this is. And so what happens is the hippie Jimmy doesn't exactly speak great Russian. He understands it, but he doesn't speak it very well. And so you have Olga and Katya. They come in and they just start yelling at him. Are you talking about like all the subtitles like on top of each other? Yeah, they they, they pile up on top of one another. Yeah. Well, this is one of the things I just had in my notes here is like, there were so many, and you guys are subtitle fans like me. I always have subtitles on, but whenever you have subtitles on and then there's translation as well, a lot of times those are over each other. So I didn't realize what was going on. I just knew that it was very chaotic on this part. But mm-hmm. I see which, where you're going with this now. Because yeah. Yeah. as they're yelling at him, their subtitles just get just pile on and pile on and pile on and pile on and pile on. And then eventually, like, you can't even read what the subtitles <laughs> say because they've piled on so many. And Jimmy just goes, fine. Jesus. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And he looks at him and he's like, sometimes it's just easier not to argue and just say yes and just yeah. get it over with. Yeah, you literally can't see. They're like pop, 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 like popping up on top of each other. Mm-hmm. And there's no way to win that fight. Jimmy just says, fine. Okay. Yeah. And so they they each have their own motorcycle, and Jimmy has like a a two seater, like a with the sidecar on it, with a freaking Gatling gun on it, and Henry's riding the two seater with the Gatling gun, and uh, and Jimmy's driving it, and Olga and uh, they take off and they go after uh, like we talked about, they go after a can, and we see his convoy, and this is in my opinion like another video game scene, just like carnage, you know, like like Gatling gun carnage, which is pretty freaking awesome. There's that part where they shoot out the back of it and the inside of it, and then they drive the... Yeah, that part, it Blake said he, he, he has explained it, but that part where they drive through the back of that van out the front, I was like, how in the world yeah, they pull this crap cool. off? And 
way more of this was done like done practically than you think it was. Uh, kind of three big events that happen is as as Jimmy and Henry are riding down the the inner the whatever country road, there is a surprise that's in in Henry's sidecar. He unfurls his burlap sack and it's a, literally as a mini gun. It's a chain gun, Gatling gun, whichever word you want to use. And he just starts firing away, just killing all these vans, just decimating them. And at one point, a fella jumps off of one of the vans and lands on him. He gets hit and he grabs the 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 Gatling gun and they rig it to where it's going to spin. And they're not obviously fired because you kill a real person if it started shooting at him. But they have it rigged up to where it's going to spin and it spins the dude away while he's attached to the the gun and the, the gun and him go rolling off into the distance. And that, that's they, that was all done real. Wow. And then there's a part before that where the he's firing the chain gun at the back of a um of one of the vans and he's firing so much he drive they drive through the van and that was all done real. They took a hollowed out van, put in some like fake mannequins and then two seats and made a um a breakaway front, almost like it's like what do you call it? It's like cork board, cork board and some plastic. And they literally get on, they, they ramp through the van and it's all done a hundred percent real, but it looks crazy and awesome. Yeah. I mean, it, it really does. And then there's I mean, a part where they come this, out the other side and that guy's dragging and. Oh yeah. It's just, it's crazy how they did. I mean, I, if there's a cut in there, you can't see it. And then right after this, uh, Jimmy is kind of like rammed off the the side of the road and he goes trailing off on the side of the road and Henry jumps onto the back of on top of one of these vans and he has a grenade and all this is done in one shot and practically. So bear with me. So he takes the grenade, throws it into the van. The van then explodes. He jumps backwards, flying through the air and then lands on the back of a motorcycle that one of the dominatrixes was riding. And, that, and you're like, how? you're like, no, that was some CGI. That's gotta be, no, uh, it was contained and it was um, a, they had like a little thing to give it backfire, but there was a literally a firebomb that they, the, 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 they threw the grenade down into this little thing. It firebombed. It blew up real big just in time. As he jumped backwards, he was attached to a crane. And as he jumped backwards, they had to time it to where the motorcycle was under him and then drop him onto the motorcycle. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it looks seamless. It really is cool. But it was all done practical. Yeah. Again, how the how the movies only cost two, $2 million, they did everything as real as possible. Yeah. yeah I mean, it, it is amazing thinking about everything they did in this movie for only $2 million. It, whenever he lands on the back of that motorcycle, like you said, he, he lands, I guess it's Olga. I don't know. One of the dominatrix, like you said, but he like, you know, he's kind of straddling her and he sticks his hand like on her, on her thigh and he slides it. It kind of like slides his hand in between your legs. And you're thinking to yourself, is he making a move? Like in the, and then he like brings his hand out and he has it like he, he grabs her gun. Uh, that seems like pretty cool. Like that, you know, you obviously knew what a nature was trying to do there, but it was, it was, it worked out really cool. He pulls that gun out and then kind of goes John Wick again, starts shooting everything with a handgun. But 
I'm going to let you take over from here because the next thing that happens after a little bit is we get inside uh, of like that mobile lab and we get to like that cool baseball talk you want to talk about. So I'll let you take this point for a little bit. So they destroyed the whole convo, convoy and there's one vehicle left and it's like obviously the big one. Um, Henry jumps up there, gets in, gets inside of there and he sees Estelle is in there. So he feels like he's saved her, captured her at this point and there are obviously other guys in there like manning the the that vehicle and uh, pretty much immediately Akan comes in and again starts using his telekinetic powers and he has this cool little monologue he he says uh he says each year 100,000 baseball bats are sold in Russia and at most 50 baseballs gives you an idea of the great Russian pastime. This is a rare surviving bat. And he has this case and he opens it up and he gets this wooden bat out. And he's basically like saying he's going to smash uh, Estelle's head with it. And he asks Henry, he's like, or do you want to be the one? And Henry obviously steps up and walks up and, uh, and Akan again is like taunting the whole time. Like, Oh, he's going to be your little savior. He's going to be your savior. Whatever. He's, I can't remember his exact line of dialogue, but Henry goes up there and Akan swings the bat and smashes Henry with it. And then again, what, what happens every time Henry blacks out, we're back to the you little pussy memory and uh, the bo- the bully's smashing the toy and uh, Henry wakes up. And this is whenever he's in the forest being buried by some of the mercenaries, some of uh, Akan's mercenaries. So I guess he, whenever he got hit with the bat, you could, there was like an open door in that vehicle and you you could kind of see, I guess he like fell out of it or something. I don't know, but or uh, I, is that the way you took it? Or did they I, just I like... think it's that part of the was blown out. Okay. And then a can walks him over to that spot and then bats him out the, the, the thing as they're going down the highway, but they don't show any of that. You just, he hits him with the bat, like he swings the bat, and the next thing you know, he's waking up in the forest. Well, you see, so like, I didn't know how that happened exactly, like well, how he ended up in the forest. But as Akan appears, uh, he they, 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 there's the opening, and you see him coax Henry to the opening and make him turn to where he's fake. It all happens in the scene, and it makes sense. But he makes him put his back to the opening to get batted out. So I guess his mercenaries were just waiting outside the vehicle to get him, and then they dragged him into the forest. Well, I'm I sure they grabbed him afterward, but yeah, there was a it was funny, kind of weird to me the way they. I thought that was a weird like transition, but a little bit. But there's a, a tiny little funny thing while he's doing this monologue. He's talking about after he takes out Henry, he's going to take Estelle and uh go back and play with her. And yeah. he was like, you know what? Uh, he's like, you you want to know what I'm going to do to your sweet Estelle? And he he starts. <laughs> He started jerking the bat off and then he spits and he's like, yeah, yeah. that's what I'm going to do to Estelle when, when I'm done with you. That little bit of jerking the bat off and spitting was uh, Daniil, was the Danila with the actor went up to him, uh, to Ilya. was like, hey, I have an idea that I want to do that would make this character seem even more crazy and messed up. Is it OK if I do it, you know, in the, in the next shot or two? And Ilya was like, whoa. We'll see what you got. You know, he's like, I stick to, you know, do my dialogue and then you can do your improv at the end. How's that sound? You know, that way, if I don't like it, I'll have an easier time cutting it. And the guy's like, ah, that's fair. Let me do my thing. And he did it. Ilya loved it. <laughs> they were laughing at first and they had because they weren't prepared for it. So it kind of ruined the take because people weren't expecting it to happen. 
but that was a pretty funny little thing. Yeah, that was cool. And he, uh, Ilya, all he always says, he's like, actors want to bring stuff that to to, mm-hmm. to roles, and there's some of the stuff they bring you would have never thought of. And he's like, in my head, I never once thought of that because yes, this dude's sadistic and crazy, and a little horny, but I never thought of him jerking off a bat and then spitting. Yeah, he's like that is way more psychopathic than I ever could have thought of. And I loved it. Another cool thing that happens during that whole, that whole part is when, uh, when Akan's threatening Estelle with a bat, uh, Henry's like growling. He's like, like growling. He can't talk, but he's like holding his hand up. He's, you don't really hear him like make many sounds or anything, but no, the, the thought of Estelle's head being bashed with that bat, it gets like your first, like real kind of audio, you know, from from Henry, I guess, and it's kind of a and in the subtitles it describes it as a growl, which I thought was pretty cool. So yeah, so he wakes up in the forest and uh hippie Jimmy, uh well again the 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 mercenaries are there burying him and hippie Jimmy that comes out and starts sniping those mercenaries and he's with Olga and they basically rescue Henry and drag him out and again they replace his battery pack here or what are they doing exactly like what's the what are they re- they're replacing something and fixing something and then but jimmy finds out that he has that memory blocker in this scene that's like the in my opinion like the big reveal in this scene is that he has a, something like, blocking his memories yeah he goes this guy he goes dude's got a memory blocker but he's like doing something like like i don't know he's like well, he's, he, like plugs a cord he's fixing him and, because this, this, this does a cool thing where this is technically the second time it happens where his eye has literally been knocked out of his head and they have mm-hmm. to like you, you you literally see him like slowly move the the optic nerve back and put them both into his head because the first I time think, it happens is actually in the tank at the very beginning of the movie i think they refer to that thing as a um eye stalk robotic robotic eye stalk they refer to it as the robotic eye stalk you said yeah, I think that's what you're, yeah. So, yeah, I guess he's he's doing that because, again, you can't really see like any of this stuff because it's from Henry's point of view. So, you can't really see what they're doing. But, yeah, there's like a, a long cord. And, like, like you said, I guess they're plugging that back in. But he plugs him in. He's like, I guess, running diagnostics because he has that laptop up. And he's that's whenever Jimmy says uh, to Olga, dude's got a memory blocker. Um, so, at this point, we know as well as Jimmy knows that. That's that something's been blocking his memories for some reason by somebody. So pretty much immediately right here, another there's another attack by Aiken's men and Olga's killed and Jimmy had run off. So now Henry's by himself again and a tank comes through the forest and he takes over the tank, gets inside of that with a, a samurai sword, right? Like a katana or something. He, he, he takes the katana off Olga. Okay, because it's like laying on the tank. I didn't, I couldn't see where that came from, but he's like, he rolls around that tank. It's like laying there, and he grabs it. But yeah, that one, that one thing's cool. Like how he, he like slices it through the the opening, and the it's not even really an opening, but it's like the lid, I guess, of the tank. And he slices it, and you hear the guy eh, and blood, blood squirts oh, yeah. out of it. That was pretty cool. That was pretty dope. But, but yeah, I mean, he takes over this whole tank with the with the with the sword kills everybody and i just saw that part where he, he like sticks it in that slot and he slight like moves it sideways and blood squirts out but so he takes over this tank and then a helicopter comes down with cords and cables and he starts trying to climb those up to the helicopter and i guess the people up at the top slice the cord and he comes crashing down again in the middle of the field 
tries to commandeer a horse. Well, he can't do that. Is, is this the part where he's falling towards the water? Yeah. Is that the You were talking about that cable, like the different yeah. colors of it or whatever? Well, uh, the different here? cables was earlier. Oh, it was? With the uh, the uh, the slick Dimitri here. thing. Oh, okay. Like one was this, pink or something like that? Yeah, but this is the part where he's falling towards the water, right? And he misses the water. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you remember that part, Steve? Yeah, he just comes He's falling, falling, falling. I was like, oh, cool. A big body of water. It's going to be a nice, soft landing. And he just mm. misses the water and hits the ground. And hits a tree. Hits a tree. <laughs> it's good comedy right there. It's laughing so hard. Another, I talk about even crazier thing for practical effects is the helicopter ride was real. They fought on a helicopter. He was attached to the helicopter by the rope, and the helicopter took off and flew wow. with him attached to it. And then the next scene when he gets cut, they didn't obviously cut the rope on him and let him fall, but they did have a another stunt person base jump from the helicopter into the tree with the I mean with, with the parachute, but he base jumped from the helicopter into the tree. And that was all practical. No CGI there. Wow. But that when he's falling though, like you said, Drew, when he's like like you said, there's that patch of water and he's falling, and it's they did a really good job, like the speed of it, like it felt real, like his. It was cool the way the the way that they shot that. You're you're right to bring that up, Drew. That was really cool. So he's then, he's forced to walk through this forest or this field again, and well, he did. Go ahead. Before we get to that, like I said, there's a horse. There's a, just a oh, random a, horse. a random horse, and. They shot this two different ways. The first way, they they wanted, again, because he's like, the movie's called Hardcore Henry. We have to be hardcore and put as much action in as possible. So there was a, a, a horse chasing scene. Uh, again, because it's a Russian thing. It's not really huge in America, but in Russia, they're very bad with roving bands of just uh, feral dogs. And so this scene was essentially him getting on a horse and being chased by rabid dogs. The dogs bite the horse. He kills the dogs. The horse has rabies and he has to kill the horse and walk on foot. (laughs) And uh, they shot that scene and Charlton was like, you know, that's not going to play well, right? He's like, what are you talking about? He's like, it's awesome. We're hardcore. It's hardcore Henry. We got you know, a chase scene, rabid dogs, and what's not to like about it? He's like, people in America don't like watching horses get their faces blown off. That's that's just not something they're into. He's like, are you sure? He's like, I'm positive. That will not go over well for Western audiences. He's like, what do you think I should do? He's like, I think it'll be funnier if we fail. Like, what do you mean if we fail? He's like, if we tried to ride the horse... And you can't, and the horse runs off. It's kind of like an Indiana Jones thing. Yeah. When Harrison Ford was sick that day and he just shoots that dude, doesn't want to do the fight scene. And then and they 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 did it and he 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 kept both. He kept both of the things and he ended up going with it because because they did a lot of action back to back to back. And he's like, you know what? It does need a little reprieve. And this works so well. And in, in theaters, everybody laughs. Yeah. When he tries to get on the horse and gets bucked off and dusts himself off, and just has to walk. It's just, it's just funny. And they even play it's... some like goofy, like countryish type adventure oh, yeah. music in that on that part too. Like you think he's gonna get on this horse and and ride it, 
But yeah, he just falls off and the next thing you know, he's walking. But he gets another call from Jimmy and with more directions. And then uh, what does this Jimmy call? I called him Commando Jimmy. Yeah, this is a Sniper Jimmy. Sniper Jimmy has the like, like you said, like Sniper Bush over him. So he Wait, can it's, snipe it's, people. It's Sniper slash Gilly. But Sniper was used more often. And cool behind the scenes thing is this was the first scene that they shot with Shalto was the, the sniper suit. Like this, uh, the first like scene like that, that Shalto showed up to shoot. Well, um, technically the first scene was when he had the ghillie suit on and they go into the house. That was like, basically because you get the sniper suit, then you have like the <clears throat> corrupt cop rape scene, and then you go into the house, and that all together was like the first thing they shot with Shalto. Hmm, interesting. So yeah, I mean, so I mean, you kind of said all the stuff there that so that sniper Jimmy leads leads him through the forest and to the head of the lab or whatever, and he's like, "Don't compromise my lab," because you you've hit on it throughout the whole movie. Henry's like. This good Samaritan, like he's always trying to help people. He sees this girl being attacked by two corrupt police officers, and uh, Jimmy's like, "Don't compromise my lab," and saying this to him. And, and uh, but Henry can't help himself, and he goes over there and, and does a pretty good job on this policeman, like shoves the nightstick down his throat and saves the girl, and and then Jimmy ends up having to shoot the other one. So then, again, they've already made all this bruckus or whatever, and I guess Jimmy wanted to keep it calm out there and didn't want to expose or compromise the lab but that's already done with so now they they make their way to the actual lab and this is where some big stuff's revealed you know how much you want to hit on that but what the we key get things are the first thing that shows that archive footage like we pretty much immediately search like as soon as they walk in the door of that lab it just cuts to that computer screen it's showing that video and we get jimmy's backstory which is pretty prevalent James. He's actually James at this point. Yeah. And he Acan refers to him as James. And he works for Acan. And he's basically describing, he's like, Yeah, we have we've he's like basically I've lo- given all these dudes lobotomies. I've taken everything out that makes them people. But he's like, I worry that they're gonna have a hard time following orders without an emotional motivator. And then Acan's like, emotional motivator, your life is what your emotional motivator. Now get in there and make them work. And the scene plays out. The test doesn't go uh, the way it's supposed to. These guys, these prototypes, essentially wake up violent and angry and uh, uh, essentially attack Jimmy and his back is broken. Well, well, they attack Jimmy. Akan's on the outside of the glass. Jimmy's like in this room with those cyber soldiers and Akan's like, what? Like, this is ridiculous or whatever. And then he does his telekinetic stuff and he knocks all those guys down knocks jimmy down as well and then lifts jimmy up he lifts jimmy up with his cyber powers and throws jimmy down to the ground a can's the one that paralyzes oh him. yeah yeah so so we like you said we see the the origin of jimmy and that he was actually this he was james he was a scientist that worked for a can and a can just turned on him and uh i guess he didn't do the job that um a cam wanted him to do and he he was a failure basically and just shattered his spine so at this point uh, what's what's this one called paraplegic jimmy 
uh, scientist Jimmy. This just Jimmy. That's just the real Jimmy, Jimmy at this point, James. Jimmy. So he comes rolling out in his wheelchair, and we see at this point that all these other Jimmys are uh, avatars, and this James uh, is is a, is a scientist behind everything. And he kind of says the difference between these other guys are cyborgs and these are avatars made of uh, what he says, cyber flesh is what he calls it. He says cyborgs have bits, bits in a brain and think for themselves in theory, at least. But my avatars are just made of cyber flesh and I control them. And going back to what you said earlier, Drew, where we talked about uh, bashful Jimmy coming in. And whenever he came in, the other Jimmy just kind of fell to the ground. We thought he passed out. But really, you can only control one avatar at a time. So when Bashful Jimmy came in, Coke Jimmy or whatever passed out. Like, he didn't pass out. He just was not in use or whatever. So he just fell to the ground. And then whenever Bashful Jimmy ran out, then uh, the other Jimmy comes up. And we kind of see that on this scene through, like, a, a weird little musical number that they I, do. I, very, very. Ahead, I do dude. think that's really funny. Because well, it you know, Steve hates musicals, but it's a really <laughs> right. cool scene. It leads you to think something a little more gross and uncomfortable happens because he's like because jimmy goes he's like you never he's like me and my lads he's like i he's like after a while i started exploring different aspects of my personality which is why each each jimmy is in fact different they're a different part of me and he's like you'll never he's like you won't guess what me and the boys get up to we're home by ourselves <laughs> and you're thinking something nasty and kind of oh god gross is about to happen and then, like you said, it's a, a a song and dance number. Yeah, with, with the different Jimmys standing up and falling down and picking up different parts of the song. I just, I want to. I don't know how they. It was an entire day, and kind of one thing that's kind of cool is I kind of wanted to bring it up way back at the brothel, but I kind of forgot because we were kind of going. But Charlto's girlfriend, now wife, was his makeup artist, hmm. and so she she and him came up with all the different styles of which Jimmy and the hair and the teeth and the prosthetics. And they got into a fight about him. He's like, Hey babe, thanks for all the makeup. Um, I'm going to spend the next five hours at a brothel. <laughs> so I'll see you later when I'm done shooting. And they got into a bit of an argument about that. And it led to other, you know, you know, they ended up getting married because it was, a, they got over it because that's the movie business. But then this scene, uh, it, they literally, I don't explain it, because you have Dapper Jimmy, uh, the musical number Jimmy, who starts it all off. And then we get all of them. We get introduced to the Colonel, which is a fantastic character. Then He's you also my get, favorite Jimmy. Oh, yeah. And then you get Punk Jimmy, Bashful Jimmy, Sniper Jimmy. And I think that's all right now. And they just... It's just a, it's literally, it's, I don't remember the name of the, the song, but it's just a whole song and dance number with each one finishing a song and doing choreography. And it took all day because he had to switch in and out of costumes all day long to finish to do the shoot. For a scene that's like three or four minutes, it took them about 12 to 16 hours. Wow. Which is mind blowing, but awesome at the same time. Hmm. I have lived these past years, Henry. My lads, they get speeding tickets, they walk 
barefoot through the grass and boy do they get laid. You'll never guess what we do here sometimes alone. Hit play over there. Go on. I've got you under my I've got you deep in the heart of me So deep in my heart that you're really a part of me I've got you under my skin I've tried so not to give in I said to myself, this affair never will go so well. But why should I try to resist when, baby, I know so well? I've got you under my skin. I yeah, it's, and it's cool because, I mean, like, one will fall to the ground and the camera, like, pans, like... It doesn't look like it cuts, but there has to be a cut in there, obviously, like you said, because it comes out in a completely different... Different Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And then there's so this there's whole some... thing, but during this song and dance number, because it's it's running another diagnostic on Henry, because they're going to try to, you know, upgrade him and power him up, you know, because they keep his battery charged. And that's when they discover a hidden broadcast signal. So everything you find out right here that everything Henry's seeing is being broadcast somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And Jimmy freaks out and they essentially turn on Henry and start fighting him. Yeah. Punk Jimmy like walks him over that chair. You think he's getting ready to do some kind of diagnostic thing on him, but he's really like chaining him to the chair or whatever to, because, because they think that he's a traitor or whatever working for, a can, but he gets out of it pretty easy. I mean, he's only in that chair. <laughs> That's ridiculous like... how he gets out of that. He uh, yeah, rocks the chair back and forth and then hocks a loogie into like a computer and it sparks and unlocks him. I mean, this whole part, I don't know if like the way they wrote it just was rushed or I don't know. The whole thing was just kind of they they rush from one point to another because in the matter of maybe two minutes, they turn on him. Henry fights all of them and destroys them. The proto-baby falls from the ceiling, which, again, is like an, uh, an avatar that looks like a baby that's so growing or whatever. It has, like, the the plugs all over it and things like that and the, like, big, like, robo-umbilical cord. But but they do all this stuff, and they they basically, like, say, look at this, and they show him the broadcast, and, and, and they're trying to tell him that they think that he's a traitor or whatever, and... And and Henry's just like doing this the whole time and uh basically like defeats all these dudes and goes over to the the James or whatever in the wheelchair and he's trying to convince him and basically all he does is he smacks him and then and then like he snaps out of it. Like I don't know like what convinces him that Well, it's just he slaps him and he he, he shrugs because he can't communicate. He shrugs and points yeah, at him and goes uh-huh. But like, and he's so like, that was enough, oh, I guess. <laughs> well, he, basically, he's like, 
any, I mean, he has the ability to kill him, but he didn't hurt any of the people. Well, he threw a knife at one of them's hand and stuck yeah. their hand to a wall, but he didn't kill anybody. He didn't make, well, he didn't like, he, he could have killed everybody in that room and then killed Jimmy. And that the James or whatever, the scientist in the chair, the paraplegic was asking him too. He was saying, kill me. I don't want, I don't A-can. want, uh, I don't want a can to have me or whatever. So he is, he's like, he is, he's asking to kill him. And and like you said, all we can see are his hands in front of him. Like he's pleading with him and he can't talk, but he smacks him. And then he says something like, thank you or whatever. And, and everything's back to normal. And at this point, James basically says, I'll use all my avatars to help you find your wife. And that's when we're introduced to what's the British soldier one's name? The Colonel. The Colonel. (laughs) So many great lines here with the Colonel. Well, before we get to the Colonel, there is a, um, because he gets a proximity alert. uh, He's like, look, the uh, ACANS people are about two minutes out. And so Sniper Jimmy and Henry go to the rooftop and we have a pretty cool little sniper sequence. Yeah. Like a whole like four minute scene shot through the scope of a gun. And so sniper Jimmy uses up uh, all of his ammo and he's like, Hey, cover me. Me and the punk are going to do some stuff. Well, you forget one of your favorite lines. Oh God. Yeah. Okay. Before I get, let me, let me get to this. They're doing setup on the roof, on the rooftop. With the sniper rifles, and sniper Jimmy turns to uh, doesn't even turn to him. He's got the gun pulling up in there, and he's zoning. He's like, "Hey, I know." Yeah, I think I know there's a stigma about guys who like musicals. I want to promise you, I'm straight as an arrow. (laughs) I'm looking at it right now. I just want to get it out there right now that I'm straight as an arrow. Yeah, there's a yeah certain stigma attached to blokes who like musicals. I just want to get it out there right now. I'm as straight as an arrow. <laughs> so he's so he's so concerned about that. Yeah, has that cool look on his face too. He's like, like kind of a little grin, like sheepish grin type thing. Where maybe he's lying, but he just has a cool look on his face. Who knows? But but yeah. So you like you said, he says that about the the punk, and then uh, sniper Jimmy just falls to the ground, and then through the scope we see punk jimmy down there with the uh with the what is he have like a shotgun and, like. huh the two kukri knives is it the, those knives have that curve that forward curve to them one of them like he's also holding like a sawed off shotgun or something like because he like lays on the ground and shoots oh, yeah. a couple times but, but yeah he's like kind of like jumping through everybody it looks like he has knives and then he shoots somebody but but yeah uh punk jimmy's down there taking care of business like hand-to-hand combat style and then so he takes care of like they pretty much take care of all those Aiken men that that pull up, and then uh, we're back up to the the rooftop with Henry and Sniper Jimmy. He runs off, and then Henry goes running back into the building, and that's that's when we're in. Sniper Jimmy Colonel, says, right? "Hey, we're out of ammo. I'm gonna give you some more chances." And he takes a bunch of grenades and jumps off the roof and kills himself by taking a bunch of people with him. Oh, really? I don't think I even noticed that. He, the, the idea yeah. he's supposed to take some people with him. And so he literally takes, pops some grenades, jumps off the roof and blows himself up. Cause Jimmy <laughs> doesn't exactly fear death when he can make a, just remake the clone. Cause he, he does, he like grabs something, he jumps off the roof, but they don't show anything. They just show him jump off the roof. Huh. Yeah. 
Okay. Well, and then we, we, we get back down to it's the Colonel and the Colonel has got the real Jimmy in the wheelchair and he's taken bashful Jimmy and kind of draped him over Jimmy's legs. And he, yeah. And like you said, we have the Colonel is probably one of the best ones. He has some great lines. He's like, as my father would say, a grenade a day keeps the enemy at bay. <laughs> well, the um, there is a an actual a British World War II general, General Montgomery, and he has a really famous uh, war speech that you can find on YouTube. And this is one of those things where you let the actor do what the actor does. So they had come up with a World War II general. That's all it was was a World War II general. And then Charlto, in his free time, while they're setting up, shot, uh, you know, other scenes, had actually watched this General Montgomery video, and taken certain lines of dialogue and researched, like, the way they spoke back then in the military. Matter of fact, three specific things he used from that speech. He refers to at one point. Uh, he calls his legs landing gear. Landing gear. That's like at the very end, yeah. Near the end, yeah. He calls his legs landing gear. He refers to a grenade as an egg. Egg. Dropping Uh an egg. And then he keeps calling Jimmy instead of calling him Jimmy, or he calls him the cripple. Mm -hmm. He's like, because back then they were just blunt. He, he, Get the cripple. Save the cripple. Don't let the cripple get hurt. That's the whole thing. He says private is our duty to assure no one come, no harm comes to the cripple. Yeah, if in uh, the so they're they're going through there and he, he does he says uh, he also says to him if you can hear them but you can't shoot them you can probably grenade them drop an egg down there laddie <laughs> yeah yeah, uh, yeah drop an egg down there laddie was a fantastic line <laughs> now this is kind of cool they had finished the movie the movie was done but in order to finish uh, editing and some post production CGI work they needed an additional. $250,000, which is quite a lot to ask for, for a movie that's technically done. What they did was the moment him and the Colonel leave the lab and they, they suit, they suit up with the, the, the different guns, big Ben, miss Sally, all the different names that uh, the Colonel has given these guns. I wrote this all those en- down too. This entire scene from when they leave the lab all the way down to when the colonel sets off the explosive to have the roof cave in. That was all put out on YouTube as well as attached to their Indiegogo campaign to help uh, get the, the additional <laughs> funds to finish the film. Cause they wanted people to at least see a good piece of the movie. So they knew what they were supporting. And I thought that was pretty cool. That is cool. And we have a real epic battle here. Uh, bunch of parkour and a bunch of great dialogue again from the colonel because there's an awesome line it doesn't check his six and he walks out of a hallway and as soon as he walks out into the hallway his hat his beret gets shot off and he immediately ducks back into cover and goes oh dodge the bullet on that one sonny mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i mean every line he says is cool but he's their whole thing is that just keep protecting the cripple and what he he also says something like don't don't let the cripple get below you or whatever because mm-hmm. he's on the elevate that shaft or whatever and it's like it's lowering down. down so that's like Henry's the whole time like you said with the parkour thing he's jumping down uh, shooting the mercenaries and trying to stay even or below 
the cripple because you know obviously the whole thing with the cripple is if he's killed then none of the avatars are going to work so yeah they're trying to protect him the whole time so these avatars will be able to help henry so they can save us though but i do want to bring up one thing because like it, it i hate the fact that we kind of rush through some of these but there's like there's so much to talk about in these action scenes. And if we, if we that's went, what like, I said earlier. It's like, I mean, this you could do three podcasts on just that stuff, but there's two specific parts of this I want to talk about. One, I know we've spoken about it at least, I don't know if you have, but I've, I know I've said the term once or twice. Is I have it wrote down here the exact minute marker. It's uh, an hour, eight minutes, and 35 seconds into the movie where we have what is known as it's a fantastical part, but we have something called uh, the Wilhelm scream. I have it written down in here. Yeah. It happens like right in here. It's per And it's like me, it gets spoken about. I think I've brought it. Maybe you have too. It's certain things, but if you want a perfect example of a Wilhelm scream, this is it. Well, it's the same thing and it's the same piece of, it's the same sound, and, and it's almost in every single movie somewhere. Even serious movies, you'll find it. It's been it's been in the film uh, zeitgeist industry since uh, 1951, I think, if not a little earlier. Yeah, 1951, and it was recorded in a movie called Distant Drums. the actor uh sheb wooly and it's just it's a scream used for it and everything anytime someone uh ex, you know someone caught in an explosion someone falls off or is pushed off a cliff someone it's yeah drew can drop it in the podcast people will should, hear it you should be able to find uh a... oh yeah easy. it's everywhere if it'll, i should put a youtube that i mean it's getting it's in a billion movies Oh, yeah. I mean, dude, it's in literally, I'm not exaggerating. It's in pretty much every single movie. Yeah. Is there any like, like rights to it? Is that what, because is, is it like open it's, source? It's kind of open source. Anybody can do, yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't mean for me. I just mean in general. But some, so many people use it. I don't think anybody owns the Wilhelm screen, do It's uh, one kind of cool thing is people talk about that it was used in, in Star Wars. Did you hear that? Yeah. What? <laughs> That's He's the Wilhelm like, screen. Did you hear it? Say Steve played it for a second. You didn't hear it? Uh-uh, I didn't hear it. I'm sorry. <laughs> you don't hear that? Mm-mm. I don't hear anything. Wow. I can't believe you don't know how you don't hear that. I heard the, I heard the first time. I, I don't know if you played it more than once. I heard it once. Uh, anyway. Anyway. <laughs> sorry. But uh, George Lucas has used it in almost all of his films. Since a guy getting attacked by an alligator is the, is the, is the original. It's, it's the very first one. Yeah. I just thought it was definitely worth bringing up the Wilhelm scream because it's such a perfect example of one too as a dude gets blown to pieces with a grenade yeah it's usually like somebody falling off a cliff or falling or yeah it's usually like something that happens kind of off screen or whatever and then now you know like I said we, we make it all the way down to the bottom 
they get surrounded by Acan's man. They're like, give up, Jimmy, Henry, we're taking you into Acan. And uh, the colonel goes, not today. And he presses a, a little button that's on the back of Jimmy's helmet, and it triggers a self, self, yeah. self-destruction. self There you go, self-destruct mechanism. I couldn't think of the word. I don't, 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 don't ask me. Where it blows up the entire roof of the building and all the stuff, the entire roof falls down and kills all the people. And then they get away into one of the Akan vans where it's the, it's Jimmy bashful, Jimmy, the Colonel and Henry all pile up into a van. And then it just becomes a, a montage of the Colonel more than anything, which is kind of strange because they're trying to make their way to Akan's headquarters. And along the way, they're being chased by other vehicles. And <laughs> it's really the best part about it. It's just a montage of the colonel. They couldn't let him go. They're having too much fun is what it feels like. Because he's like, tally-ho, fire in the hole. And he's like, throw, throw down a block of C4. Again, that was done practically. When they turn the table on these buggers. <laughs> <laughs> when, he th- th- when he throws down the C4 and blows it up and the van flips 180 and hits the wall. And then he he does the uh, the leg cross with the bazooka, and he launches the bazooka down the the, the alleyway, and just has a a filled just a filled of a time, just a blasty blast of fun. And then we finally make it to Akan's headquarters, and then you gotta get the Akan and all those cyber soldiers laying on the ground. Yeah, all just dead. And we're like, what is all this? And then the we flamethrower man comes out. And then we have a pretty little epic little fight scene here between Jimmy, Bashful Jimmy, the Colonel, and Henry. They go through, fight a bunch of stuff. Um, the whole thing, they're trying to protect the cripple, protect the cripple. And then they, they go into a hallway and Bashful Jimmy wakes up. And he's like, hey, I'll buy us some time. <laughs> I, had he buy, too. Like, I don't even know why he does, he bothers doing anything. He, he gets an axe, <laughs> runs out into the hallway, and is shot immediately. Like he saved them two seconds. Yeah. I guess like it was, the, they were like, all right, we got to get rid of this character. How do we get rid of him? Boom. <laughs> but I guess it was just, a, it was enough time for the elevator to arrive. Yeah. And Jimmy and the Colonel and Henry make it into the elevator. And there's some cool stuff in the elevator. It's some nice revealing stuff. Yeah. It's, the colonel has a really nice speech and he's like, you know, I've dreamed of riding this lift all the way to the top to kill Akan. And he kind of like stumbles and Henry like goes to grab him. He's like, Oh, don't worry. The landing gear is just going out. And he looks back at Jimmy and sees that he's, there's blood coming from under the helmet and he goes to reach for the helmet. And the colonel stops him and says, if you pull it out, if you uncork it, I'll die. Well, he sees there's like a thing, like a piece of metal or glass or something stuck in his throat. He's like you said, it's like he says it's in like the jugular or whatever. Yeah. And he uses the term if you uncork it, he'll die. Yeah. And that yeah. uncork's another one of those uh terms he learned from General Montgomery. So basically, like like you said, the reason the colonel's like stumbling and stuff is because Jimmy or James, the the scientist, is dying. So he's can't control any of these avatars anymore. So but the coolest line, Jay or uh Colonel Jimmy says he says that uh, line about he says when you kill Akan, I want you to look him right in those eyes and tell the rest of him is just as dead as they are. That's so cool. Oh yeah, it's a good line. But yeah, I mean, there's just some really good monologue there. He's 
space there he tells you about that memory blocker and he says he saw that it was in there and obviously this is i i guess james kind of speaking through him too and then he, he says it's not my finest hour that he left that memory blocker in there but he's basically using he's him because like, i wanted to use you yeah used so he could get 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 this far as well because he wanted to revenge on Akan as well so he basically used henry to get to this point he admits that that he left that in there to block his memory so he could keep using him he was afraid if he saw his own memories he would turn away from this mission to save the stellar whatever and and go back on the things that that were really truly in his past but he says to him uh colonel collapses at this point and then we get like the last moments of james's life and he says to uh henry says you'd think all those deaths would have prepared me for this if you haven't already you'll start to remember bits of your past now henry and those memories they're real they're you trust them and then he dies and uh, at that point henry's alone hits him with like a little ray that disables the memory blocker yeah yeah, he's he's like kind of like shining it on him, yeah, like whatever that thing is. But yeah, so that the in memories start kind of coming back here and there on him from this point on. Uh, yeah, I mean, is there anything else kind of in there that I missed that? But that's like oh, the main thing, it. really, and is that his memories start coming back very slowly. And then we, you know, once the elevator dings, we get out and we get to like a reveal, like the first of a couple of reveals that happen, where Akan is like, hey. Look, there's a whole room of you being uh being uploaded with your memories to think that Estelle is their wife and not just yours. And some of them are almost ready to come up. And then uh there's a big fight between I guess like the first and wake up, which is a he's a big dude. He takes well, a, a, a can he does like this is pretty key. He says to Henry, he says the boosters they have, like these guys that are going to fight you, he's like the boosters they have will make yours look like a nine volt battery. Like oh, yeah. the, they've, they've been and upgraded. So this first guy that you're talking about that comes out and he fights and he kills him, he switches them out. He sw- he gets into his the power battery. Yeah. So now he's like as powerful because you're thinking to yourself, well, how is he going to defeat all these dudes? So he switches that out. So now he's as powerful as as one of them. And he takes forever to kill that guy. He beats him with the desk, beats him with drawers, yeah, chokes him, hits him in the throat, and then finally just bashes his skull in. But it, yeah. he's battered. And this is this is where he 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 finally gets up to that the top of that the root. Like even though the elevator ding, he's still like he's not. He's like on the top floor, I guess. But then now everything escalates to the top top. Like he's, the he's roof. onto the rooftop. And this, this is what I was kind of talking about earlier. It seemed like a video game. It's like, you you accomplished this level. You're on this level. You're on this. Now we're at the end of the movie, and we're on, like, the top level, like you are in a video game. And it's Akan up there, and Henry Henry comes out there, and it's like, this is where, like, all, like, a whole bunch of those soldiers, and and they, they kind of, like, were coming at it's Henry. It's like 50 and, to 100 of them. Yeah, and this was kind of like, it reminded me of that old boy. It's like, He's just like fighting them in a line pretty much. And just like each one that comes at him and like he kind of spins around and he's jumping up and like killing them from above. And it's just really this whole part is pretty cool. And he, I think you talked about that guard shack earlier. He ends up in that guard shack. This this whole, like, how do I explain it? Because again, you're not a very huge into video games, but there's a game called Left 4 Dead. 
and it's a it's a first person shooter zombie survival game and this particular campaign they end up on the the rooftop of a hospital and you get you're basically preparing for the horde which is you're going to activate something really loud and a whole bunch of all the zombies in the area plus any of the special infected are going to come to the noise and that's essentially what this is is every single one of these super soldiers are trying to kill Henry. So he's, like you said, he's doing parkour, parkour, you know, smash with a brick, kick in the nuts, pull this dude's leg out, make him fall off. And then he makes it to the guard shack and he's got, it's his prep room. He's got <clears> grenades. <throat> he's got shotguns. He's got an assault rifle. He's got a assault rifle. That's like a secondary shot. It's like an explosive round. And then he just comes out swinging. <laughs> killing, blowing everything up, and then his last ditch effort, he pulls all the pins on all the grenades and throws them into the building and the, the little guard shack blows up and takes a bunch with him. And then he's fighting and fighting and fighting. And he gets to um to ACAN. Well and then we have our once that once that guard shack blows up, like some of the bodies they like land all the cyber soldiers land everywhere and there's a box of uh adrenaline sitting mm-hmm. there and he yeah, you want to that you, thing you like this part plugs it into both legs and the queen song uh having a good time that now it's like a whole it's like we're like escalating from one like fight montage to another and this was kind of talking about earlier it's like i don't know to me it just kind of seemed redundant but we now we're like I guess this is the ultimate ultimate fight montage. He's he has the super battery in it that he got from one of these guys, uh, the super booster battery, or whatever. Now he also has uh, adrenaline pumped into him. The Queen having a good time. Dun, 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 dun. You can play that in the podcast, Drew. But that song's going, and I mean he just now he's like really like moving through him fast and. We thought he was killing all these guys old boy style before. Now he's super old boy killing them. And he basically gets through all of them. Um, and then he gets to Akan. And Akan, again, with the telekinesis, is just like like using it and controlling Henry's arms. And he's like, starts making Henry punch himself. And, well, you punching yourself, Henry? Just doing all that kind of stuff and taunting him. And he basically, he knocks him out. Uh, how does he, I can't remember how he knocks him out exactly, but he's controlling him basically and knocks Henry out. When Henry wakes up, he hears Estelle's voice and she's saying, "Are you okay?" And then we realize she's saying that to Akan. And this whole time, Estelle's been with Akan and not with Henry. Um, she tells Akan, "Do you know when I realized this was really working? When Henry pulled me into that escape pod." trying to get me into that lab no matter what and so this whole time they were trying to see if they could control these soldiers by making them think that they were married and they would do anything to save their wife so that's back to that emotional motivation that jimmy talked about way back before he got his back broken yep yeah all 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 the way back to putting that ring on his finger and a can even says something like We'll have a hundred of you tomorrow, a thousand next week. Each one's first memory will be of his wife slapping a cheap or slipping a cheap brass ring on his finger. So it all started with that. And Henry really thinking that, that, that she was his wife when she slid that ring on his finger. And so now all these soldiers, they're going to 
through the same exact process. But now Acan says something like, we've been um, using this whole day to get a memory, a full brain of your memories to give to these guys. So I guess that's that. That's why maybe I guess Acan wasn't killing him because he wanted like, like maybe all he this. Needed it. Yeah, to like kind of like load into these guys' brains. And um, but again, that's the whole movie, like the kind of the big twist, the big reveal at the end that Akan and Estelle were really together, and Henry was just like a a ploy, like a something for them to test. He was basically a bait, like a, a test that they were like, that they were using to get to this point. Go ahead, like they do hint at this way, not say way, but they do hint this at this earlier in the movie that I didn't catch until. My third watch is way back when at the the baseball scene where he bats him out of the car. When Henry gets there and rescues Estelle, he punches out this glass that this cage she's in, and he rescues her and he pulls her over to like all these um computers, these computer screens. Some of them are showing static and some aren't. And she's talking to him, and then in the top, okay, he's looking at Estelle. So in the top right corner. There's a screen that that was black and it turns back on and it says upload complete in very small writing. It says upload complete and it starts re-showing the entire mm-hmm. chase scene from as soon from when he pulls the Dunlap sack off the chain gun to now. Yep. But he he's not paying attention because he's focused on it still, but it's in his peripheral. Right. And then he the camera he pans Estelle over. And right behind again, and right behind Estelle, it's it's easy to miss, but there's a um a chessboard and it's labeled. It's got um it's got the black king, the black queen, and then a white knight. Yeah, I didn't and, notice that. And they're labeled A E H. So Akan's the black king, Estelle's the black queen, and Henry's the white knight. Hmm. But it, it's subtle. You and have they to know to him that as a white knight in the movie too. Yeah, I can say something like "You're white knight," and I think it's just kind of it, it, again. I did not catch it until my third watch, hmm. which technically would be my fourth watch if you count the time I saw it in theaters. Interesting. They 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 do good job dropping these hints. Yeah. So Akin kicks he kicks Henry in the face, like knocking him out, and Henry's kind of he rolls over and he's facing like a. A, a, a piece of glass or something or, or like mirrored glass and we for the first time see what Henry looks like vaguely but we can see his face but again I, 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 I don't know if Akin thought he killed him or what but Henry's knocked out again and this time we see the full you little pussy memory which is I, I loved it it's uh again tim roth's character as henry's father and it's the aftermath of that toy being smashed and tim roth says to him or again i guess it's his character just names henry's father henry's father says to him i love you henry and i'll never call you anything but your name basically like he says my father called me you little pussy that's what that's what that you little pussy was all the time He's like, my father called me that, but I love you, Henry. I'll never call you anything but your name, but you got to decide. Are you going to lay there, swallow that blood in your mouth, or are you going to stand up, spit it out, and go spill theirs?
little pussy. That's what my old man called me. It's like it was my name. And I proved them right by killing all the wrong people. I love you, Henry. And I'll never call you anything but your name. But you gotta decide. Are you gonna lay there, swallow that blood in your mouth? Or are you gonna stand up, spit it out, and go spill theirs? And that, like, makes it wakes Henry right up. And he goes after, uh, he there's like some barbed wire on the ground. He picks that up, goes he after wraps Aiken. around his fists. So all of a sudden, like, I don't, does he just get Aiken before he can use his telekinetic powers or no, what? Like, I mean, he basically Aiken goes to use him, but as he goes to use him, he gets there faster because I guess he's still slightly had to. Does that barbed wire have anything to do with it or just picked up yeah, as a weapon? Because yeah, he grabs the barbed wire and he hooks himself into Aiken. So when Aiken goes to fling him with telekinesis, he's held onto him. Right. And so he pulls him with him. Yeah. So, and again, like the way that it's all shot, all that stuff is kind of hard to to gauge like what exactly is happening. But, but yeah, like you can kind of piece the piece it together, like what's going on. Um, so yeah, he can't use his telekinetic powers. He grabs his hand, like fingers, like uh ring finger and thumb and middle finger and ring finger and tears his hand, like in between those fingers, like just tears it and a can screaming. And this is where that robotic eye stock comes into play at this point. Like, Akan makes all those soldiers' bodies like kind of float. He's and again, I don't know what like his purpose is, like what he's doing, but he's like making everything levitate. And but everything's levitating except for Henry. And then Henry climbs like like again the kind parkour like video game boss where he jumps along the bodies. Yeah, he parkours like the bodies of these floating cyber soldiers, and he he parkours them all the way up to Akan, who's like at the peak of all of them and he jumps up there and i guess with his pulls his robotic eye stalk out or whatever it's like a long robotic cord and he wraps that around Akan's face like mid face through his mouth and decapitates him like right in the middle of his face which is pretty cool but again like i didn't really understand like that robotic eye stalk thing until i read about it i didn't understand like what was going on there but he uses that to decapitate uh Akan. Akan's body, I guess, falls through that helicopter blade. Oh, yeah. Some kind of blade. Blows. Right? <laughs> it's just yeah. red mist. And the, but the head falls to the ground. Henry grabs the head, and as the helicopter's taken off, he jumps up into the door of that helicopter just in time to get up there before it, it, it's too far off the ground. And this is where uh Estelle is up there, and where she's like, What did you do with him? Where is he? What did you do with him? And he holds the Akan's decapitated head up and she's just defeated. You know, it's like she doesn't know what the, but she has a gun. She starts shooting at him. One of the bulls bullets ricochets off, hits her. You want to take it from well, there? Well, this part, and she's like, how could you do that to him? How could you do that to me? And he's already bleeding. So he takes a bunch of his blood, slaps it on the wall. Easy. And he literally writes the letter E Z. <laughs> And so she gets mad and starts shooting at him. So and this is kind of one of those ironic things is he holds his hand up, his robotic hand that he's had the entire movie. It's like the first thing you see, she attaches it to him and she starts firing that gun. He holds his, his hand up 
just def- defensive posture, and the bullet ricochets off his robotic hand and hits her right in the chest. It's like well, it was like right in the shoulder, really, more than the chest. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not a a fatal wound, and but it's enough a- to like knock her off balance and make her stumble. And then there's some turbulence, and she ends up sliding out the open helicopter door. The door that Henry just jumped through. Yeah. And she's like, Henry, Henry, help me. Help me. Look into your heart, Henry. Help me. And he, like, reaches for her, but then he grabs the door and slams it down on her hands. Credits. In credits. You hear her scream. Yeah, in credits. And then the the And then the song just kicks right in, like... It goes to credits and that boom, that song kicks right in. And it's uh, that song, uh, Kill. It's called For the Kill. And it's by Biting Elbows, which is uh, the director's band that he's the lead singer and guitar player for. Perfect. We always talked about that, too. Like, you want it in the movie on a kick-ass song. And that okay. movie, I thought that song was good. It kicked ass. Yeah. Like, uh, we we kind of glossed over it, but I wanted to talk about it quickly. Is You talk about that hand rip that Henry rips, he says to this day, whenever he, you know, if he ever watches the movie or catches it on TV, uh, Ilya says that the hand rip is the only thing in the whole movie that makes his stomach queasy. He's like, cause you can see people get shot all day. He's like, but the second you see someone like get a paper cut or get hit in the nads, you, you feel it. And he's like, for me, he's like, I've had my hand get split open similar to that doing parkour. Mm. Because he's like, mm. literally, he's like, I've had my hand split before. And he's like, every time I see it, it just makes me queasy. Yeah, Because I, like, I know that. exactly what that feels like to have your hand split open on you. And so I thought <laughs> it was pretty cool. That is cool. I have one last thing to bring up, really. Uh, were you aware of what the original ending was supposed to be? Mm-mm. Now, the original ending was supposed to be that it, it was revealed that Akan was actually Jimmy. Jimmy had been Akan this entire time. Hmm. Uh, or he was like another aspect of Jimmy. He was an yeah, he was another aspect but of Jimmy. But still another Jimmy clone. Whatever. He was a, yeah. But the reason that he, they had to rewrite it is because they could never get Shalto and Haley Bennett in Russia at the same time. Really? Yeah, for whatever reason. Because he was off making a movie and she was off making a movie. Because uh, he was making, what movie was he making at the time? He was making Chappie at the time. Charlotte was. And so he was shooting this in his free time. Uh, and they just couldn't get him in together. And so they ended up having to rewrite the ending. Hmm. Interesting. Do you got anything you want to add? No, I pretty much went all over all my notes during the during the discussion here. I had a crap load in, in the plot area that I wanted to head on. We had on all those. Do you want to go ahead and uh, go ahead and do yours? I so I said at the beginning, this movie it was it was difficult for me to watch at first. Uh, the camera constantly moving, the subtitles over regular dialogue, and um, it was just like all like reading the subtitles, trying to keep up with the action at the same time. Like for me, it was just so much. And uh, again, it was like it was the first viewing was frustrating. It really was, but. And I think I said on one of the first podcasts, I always pretty much review the movie after the first podcast. But on this one, I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I got to give this movie a better chance because the first time it was just too much. So, and I think 
we kind of we went over this and i think that's exactly what happened with the box office and this format of movie in general i think unless you watch a movie like this two or three times you're probably not going to like it or unless you're just a super fan of like this kind of stuff because it is i mean i use the word frustrating but it was a frustrating first watch and i think drew you even said like or what i can't one of you guys said you were even not just the in the theater but i did yeah. um yeah, so I mean, I can see that happening. So my first, uh, I was like, all right, I'm not going to review it yet. So I watched it again the second time. And some of the the lines of dialogue and s- just different things I kind of mentioned throughout that I liked. Um, I really liked how they kept that that theme throughout the whole thing with his, his uh, Henry's father. I liked the way that that played out at the end. Um, I thought Aiken was a good vid- a good villain. Uh, that that actor did a really good job i thought he he like just the way he kind of played around and you could see he brought his own thing to it and you kind of touched on that blake with some of the ideas he had i'm, I'm sure he had a lot more than that that bat thing as well just okay. just some of the things he brought into it but he did a really good job especially considering this is like his first or second or whatever american movie um i really enjoyed him henry obviously is like the hero the hero of the, vil- the movie but you don't really even get to know him really. So the, I guess the, the, he, the person that you really root for is Jimmy and like the fun ride part of it. So those, it was just kind of, that was all kind of awkward, but it was still, it still worked, especially after the, the second viewing. So again, uh, just to appreciate the genius of, of all that went into this creating this format. I mean, that alone kind of gets its, its own rating. I mean, look to this day, it's like, that that uh, headset that headgear was made the adventure mask and uh, this format of movie was really, never really done before and this director has gone on to make nobody which is a completely like normal format movie did a great job with that a super fun movie was like number one in the box office actually whenever it came out um, so he's successful he's a good director he did a good job with all these actors it was a, a fun ride. It, it really was. My only critique, I kind of said that earlier, is it did seem redundant to me. Like there was chase scene after chase scene, and there was like fight scene after fight scene, and it kind of got like they. What was awesome and cool, it kind of got old a little bit. I think they could have cut some of those things out. Um, like some of those levels of the video game could have been trimmed out, and it was like you know not so many levels, but. It, it really was fun and it grew on me the more I watched that. Like you said, you watch it like four times. I'll probably watch it about that many too. Like a couple of the viewings were just like, I kind of had it playing and I would kind of rewind it and watch certain parts, but I did watch it completely all the way through twice. And each time I watched like different pizza, but I, I, I kind of liked it, you know, more and more, but yeah, I mean, I, I would say that this movie, I will give it four knock on the knockers out of five. I might would have if if we can start maybe I don't know if we want to do like half ratings but maybe it was like more like of a three point five but I'll round it up to four just solely on this being such a um like again like pioneered type thing I thought they did a really good job with the way this thing turned out um it could have been a lot worse you know it could have been a lot worse type movie but they did a really good job with it it worked. Four knock on the knockers out of five. A reasonable, reasonable score. You touched on a, a couple of the points that I will. Um, I like I said the the technique and the pioneering and all the talent and stuff that went into it. It is, it's a it's a pimping good time. It's a it's a very fun ride. That it 
it's not something you can necessarily appreciate the first time through. Now, I know I liked it the first time I watched it, but it wasn't until like this time and some of the subsequent ones, I'm like, this is just a fun movie. And if you're just grading, like, this is supposed to be just, this is supposed to be a, an action movie th- that's created by someone who loves video games and plays FPS mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Like I said, it's it a very, very fun ride. And so I'm, I give it five distinctly different Jimmy's out of five. Dang, five. Wow. Because it, it's, it's an action movie. It's it's exactly what it sets out to be. It is an amazingly fun action movie. And like I said, a lot of some of the other things in it, I caught in like some of the subtle video game references and all that stuff. I, I loved it. And then I, I loved it every time I was watching it. It's like, oh man, that was awesome. Every time I saw certain things, it was, or I'd catch different things as I was watching. It. I'm like, I can't believe they fit all this in here. Yeah. This is crazy. And like I said, you you said you kind of wish they had trimmed it down some. The first cut of this movie was an hour and fifty minutes, and uh, Elia had to hire someone to come in because he couldn't cut anymore. He had to hire someone to come in and cut more out of it, and that person cut twenty minutes out hmm. to make them, to to increase the pacing to make things even faster than they were. Because I, I, again, I don't think this this uh, you, you I think we brought it up uh, crank. This goes along that saying it can be this crazy high energy impact run, but it has to also match. Like, I at most they they could probably take out another five minutes and make the movie that better. But I'm not sure where they could cut, frankly. And I well, and I, I wasn't really saying cut the movie. I was saying maybe cut some of those scenes. It just seemed like one chasing after another. It was just like so many of the same thing or maybe make some of them a little bit different than the other ones. I don't know. It just seemed like they're constantly running through something. It was kind of this watching the same thing over and over. Yeah. But that's all I was saying. I wasn't saying like actually like length of the movie. I was saying like, or maybe, you know, use some of those scenes. I thought that a lot of that backstory stuff was interesting. Maybe like that one scene, I, I, think i mentioned it was like they rushed through that like whole mindset of was uh henry a traitor you know like i don't know maybe like put some more dialogue and things into scenes like that and then trim some of those chase scenes but yeah Yeah, i mean you ready to give your pick and then we can sign off my pick next week again we keep joking over and over that i have this cue and i haven't dipped into it i've had this one for a while i've seen this movie come up like over and over people when it first came out people were saying oh my god that movie's great it's like the best movie i've seen it should win this award and that award everybody was saying that everybody loved it nobody i heard hated it i would see it on like they would talk about it in other movies they'd talk about it on tv shows i would see them people talk about it on like talk shows I don't know if you guys saw the same thing, but I watch a lot like pop culture type stuff. I'm kind of a big part of then just recently, like since I've actually even had it on my list, I saw a movie called the unbearable weight of massive talent. Have you guys seen that with Nicholas Cage? Oh, and Pedro I haven't Pascal. seen it, but I'm aware of it. I want to watch it. Nicholas Cage plays himself. Yeah. In this movie, Pedro Pascal's character 
watches this movie and he tells Nicholas, or they're talking about what's your favorite movie. And Pedro Pascal's character says, my favorite movie is this. And Nicholas Cage is like, really? Then they watch it together that night. Pedro Pascal plays like a drug dealer in the movie and Nicholas Cage plays himself. So this drug dealer, this movie is this drug dealer. This like this like hardcore, hardcore Henry, hardcore drug dealer's favorite movie. Then at the end of the movie, Nicholas Cage's daughter is like, let's watch this movie. And Nicholas Cage is like, laughs like, uh, but it, it's a big part of that movie. So if you guys haven't figured out what I'm talking about yet, obviously, since you haven't seen that movie, I thought maybe you'd seen that movie and you'd have figured out my pick by now. But my pick is Paddington 2. I have not seen this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I have not seen this movie. So I want to use this podcast to see this movie is really as good as everybody says that it is. Dude. Jessica's made fun of me because I have is that on the wheel? I have the first Paddington on our maybe coming up on our wheel, but you say that and I've heard so many different people talk about how on good so many different podcasts, not even movie podcasts. I'm just, telling it, you, man, everybody it, com- it comes up everywhere that Paddington 2 is an incredible movie. That is so thank you. Funny. Yep. I have to find out for do myself. We, is do we this have, do we have universally to loved? You have to watch the first one for it to make sense. I would say no, because I mean they didn't in that movie, you know, they just I don't know. I would That's say amazing. no. So just try just try Paddington 2 without the first one. Yeah. I mean, feel free to watch the first one if you want, but I'm not. Actually, I've seen the first Paddington, to be honest. So but it's been a long, funny. long time. I've I did not know that was the direction you're going, but I've heard so many people say it's one of the best movies they've ever freaking seen. That is surprising. I thought, people, I thought people were joking, and then I kept hearing that. Mm-hmm. I was like, what is going on with this movie? I wish I had like all the TV shows. I, I should Google it. Maybe I'll have it ready for the podcast. Maybe I'll be able to find all that. But it's been mentioned like over and over on other movies I've and TV it. shows. The so most funny. recent being that Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. It's like a big part of that movie, actually. I want to watch that too. I have a, I'm a big fan of Pedro, big fan of Nick Cage, and it looks great. I think Tiffany Haddish is in that movie too. Yep. It's a fun movie. You'll you'll like it. It's wow. one of those movies that it's impossible not to like. It's just fun. Probably one of your biggest curveball shit. Yeah. I would never and it's very strange to do a, a obviously to do a, a two. Yeah. We're, we're not doing this first one. That's fine. I guess no I guess Army of Darkness was the third movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. Um, we can close out. You want to do the thanks, Drew? Yeah, I'll close out, man. I'm, I'm thrown by that pick. It's hilarious. That's awesome. Though. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, uh, we'll wrap things up real quick here with another of our our now ongoing series of three hour podcasts. <laughs> Somehow, I want to thank we want to thank uh, Greg Bennett for uh, writing the intro theme for this podcast for us. We really appreciate. Appreciate that and love hearing it at the beginning of every podcast. Uh, we want to thank Devious Pixel for doing the art for this podcast. Me and Blake have been working with him for a very long time. We really appreciate the work he does for us. If you want to follow this podcast, you can follow us on all the social media. Well, it's really just Facebook and Twitter. You can see like when I, I post when we re- record, when episodes come out, stuff like that. And though both those places, along with our email, action.themoviepodcast at gmail.com, you can write in movie suggestions or just anything about any previous movies or the current movie or any general questions for the guys. We haven't got anything yet. People, I don't know. Again, I always say people, I think, are just scared to 
sometimes to write into online forms that will be read aloud. People will comment anon anonymously on things, but no, never really write in for stuff where they're going to get, it's going to get read to the world. Who knows? So all that stuff is there to keep track of this podcast and all the, all that cool stuff. Uh, a little cross promotion. This, this podcast piggybacked off of me and Blake's original podcast. It's still going the lock stock and two spoken controllers podcast. It's more of a video game uh, focused podcast. And uh, we all, me and Blake alternate episodes where I, I uh, promote a band and Blake promotes a movie or TV show of some sort. Uh, so that's that's always there if you want to hear more of me, me and Blake talking, if you want that. I don't know if you would. And last, uh, Blake has self-published a short story on Amazon uh, quite a while ago. If you search They Come This Night, it will pop up. If you uh, got a Kindle Unlimited subscription, it's already in there. And if you're not, you can just pay, buy it for a dollar. We really appreciate that. And any any reviews on Amazon helps Blake's little story in the Amazon algorithms. Uh, links to all these things I've talked about here and all that good stuff is all in the show notes for this podcast. If you don't want to feel like typing out all the names, just click on the stuff and just give us follows and all shares or whatever you do. Tell your friends about the podcast and stuff like that. And give us some movie suggestions for the guys. We want to hopefully have another suggestion by the time we hit episode uh, 30. So that's all I got. I want to thank everybody for listening, of course. And uh, like I said, we always enjoy doing this. This is our our biggest excuse to hang out with Steve every, every couple of weeks. Everybody's got busy, busy families and lives. And I heard across, I always hear across multiple podcasts. Some people just use podcasts to talk to their friends sometimes. So this is, this is what we do. We have fun doing this and we, we love movies. So it's what it is. Yep. Thanks again, uh, Drew. Thanks, Blake, for letting me be a part of this. And let me, uh, again, it, like you said, it's just good to hang out with you guys. So I appreciate the invitation and I enjoy doing this as much as you guys do. And for now, I just leave everybody with the uh, make sure you see enough movies because all of life's riddles are answered in the movies. We actually have a tagline. Oh, forgot about that. For Hardcore Henry. I want to save it for the end and then I'll sign off. Hardcore Henry. First, they made him dangerous. And then they made him mad. <laughs> I want to wish everybody a good evening and good night.
Jesus is doing fine. Wanna 